Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get high. So the final box score is going to tell one ultimate story, and that is that Michigan State scored 63 points and Wisconsin scored 60 in the quarterfinal round of the Big Ten tournament. Outside the box score, the most important number is March 2nd, and the season ends. Because it's the first time in 20 years that that date, or that early of a date, would coincide with the basketball season coming to a close for Wisconsin. I know there are some, and if you're listening to the Drew Olson Show, Mitch Thunderdellis and Drew were at the very end. We're talking about the possibility of an NIT. Keep this in mind. Wisconsin is 15 and 18. Three games under 500. although the NIT uh, doesn't have the, they can make exceptions to the 500 rule. They haven't in the last four or five years. They have not had a team under 500 in the tournament. So you're telling me that there would potential potentially be an offer for a 15 and 18 team? I don't think so. So I I I will say with pretty strong belief that the season ends today on March the 2nd. Are there moral victories? Of course there are. Not within the the confines of you play to win and that's the deal. I get it. That's the only thing that matters is winning the game. They didn't win the game. Is there a moral victory? That team on the other sideline today, on the other bench, Michigan State, almost certain to be a number one seed when the NCAA bids come out a week from Sunday. And Wisconsin, again, undermanned, gave them everything you could ask except for the finish. There are moments when it's coming to a close that you looked at Ethan Happ missing the front end of a bonus and Khalil Iverson missing the front end of a bonus. Essentially, they missed four free throws by missing the two front ends in the final two minutes of the game. You know, you lose by three points. You have a three, desperation three, on your final possession to try and send it to overtime, and you miss the two front end of those bonuses. You finish the day at the free throw line two of six. Yesterday, the free throw line was the reason they won. Today, it's the reason they lost. Michigan State went 10 of 11. Their only miss was the one that gave Wisconsin the opportunity at the end to send it to overtime. They go 10 of 11. Wisconsin went 2 of 6. There's another underlying story to that. 
I didn't think the game was beautifully called. But that's not the reason, unless you want to blame officials all the time, it's not the reason Wisconsin lost the game. Uh, it certainly put them in a, in a trap. They, they had a tough hill to climb with Hap with two fouls, um, you know, before you get to the six-minute mark of the first half, six minutes remaining. Uh, he and Davison both on the bench for the final five or six minutes of the first half. When they went to the bench, you had a lead. When they went to the half, you're down 32-28. Uh, to 28. Uh, but, man, played their tails off. If you're a fan of the program, I said to John earlier today, uh, we were doing the Rich Eisen show while the Badger game was being played. I said the way this team is playing right now, they're like a Sweet 16 team. Like you would bet on them to win. I would bet on them to win a first and a second round game in the tournament if they were, you know, uh, as long as they weren't a 15 seed or a 14 seed. Like I would bet on them to, to get to the Sweet 16 if they're in the tournament as uh, – as a 10. But they're not going to be in the tournament. That's that's the end of the the end of the conversation. So they are out. Um and uh, but it was really really an emotionally well-played game. You can see the love, the heart, the drive of Brad Davison played 34 minutes today. Didn't have his best game. He was 4 for 14. 2 of 8 outside the arc. Uh had just uh, 10 points. That wasn't his best game, but the heart of this kid, you're going to love watching him play for three more seasons. And he's he said in his postgame that he's going to um, come back and get shoulder surgery and not miss any time after that and get right back at it. By the way, Ethan Happ said he's going to come back, put his name in to the NBA Combine so he can get a grade. If he's not a first-round draft choice in the NBA, he's coming back. And he put to bed any of the rumors— well, he said he put to bed any of the rumors of being a grad transfer. He said, I'm either going to go to the NBA or I'm coming back here. Those are my two options. So there had been rumors. I had asked the question a couple of times on the air about that possibility because he will graduate. And then he would have that opportunity. Uh, welcome in on a Friday afternoon. I'm Mike Heller. That guy right there to my left. You're right. That's John Audie. Say, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? Three more years of Brad Davison with a healthy shoulder and perhaps not in that the role that he was kind of forced into handling the basketball as much. Like that's gonna be cool. Like he's gonna end all just getting better, right? Just getting better from what he did in his freshman season. Like I can't wait. I'm excited to watch Brad Davis in the next three years. And then I saw this on Twitter, Mike. Think about how listen, there's only one team every year that ends on a positive note with a win, right? Think of the the last four years of Badger basketball, how the season has ended. Go back to losing the national championship versus Duke after having a nine-point lead. Then the year after that, right, they lost to Notre Dame after having the lead late with just seconds to play, giving that up, and Notre Dame taking that Sweet 16 matchup going to the Elite Eight. Same thing, a chance at the Elite Eight last year before Florida hits a buzzer beater. And now this year, you struggle all season, and you've got the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament on the ropes, and you have an opportunity maybe to extend the game and just kind of get off a a crummy type of three that really didn't have much of a chance. But it's just been kind of tough losses for Badger fans over the last four years. I mean, that's compared to, I mean, you could have easily just... You know, not even made the national championship game, gotten blown out one year, got ran out of the gym in a tournament. But, you know, just the way that it's ended has been pretty heartbreaking the last four years. I, I don't know why you would not include the fifth. 
Oh, of course, yeah, losing to Kentucky. Yeah, go back five Harrison, years. Harrison hits yeah, yeah, the yeah. three good, good over point. Gosser. Good point. five straight that have uh, had those, you know. What was the year before that? Let's see if we can go back six. Do you remember? I recall what the sixth was. Let me see if I can find that. Anybody remember what was before the Final Four run? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, look that up, John. I know you will. Uh, so there's all that going on, and... Uh, you know, the Aaron, Aaron Harrison three still, to me, is the one that jumps off the page. I get it. Last year, Chioza's running three in the Sweet 16 at Madison Square Garden in New York. Uh, you're never going to forget that. But the Aaron Harrison three, Wisconsin had that game one uh, at the Final Four. They first, had that game one. Uh, it says first round in 2012-2013. That's how far they made it. So they lost. But I don't know what, how they lost. I'll try to find that. I'm getting deeper and deeper. Yeah, you you get you dig into that rabbit hole. See what you come up with. Um, well, welcome in on a Friday afternoon. We did guest host on the Rich Eisen show earlier today. From that, you'll hear a conversation that we had with Tony Granado, the uh, Wisconsin hockey coach, also USA coach. Obviously, from a national perspective, so less Badger conversation. Michael McCann joined us earlier today on that show as well. Uh, McCann has uh, some legal perspective to lend to the Sean Miller storyline, which is fantastic. And Jason Lacanfora joined us from CBS Sports, uh, NFL reporter, and you'll hear that in the 5 o'clock hour today, talking about the draft combine, but mainly more to the point about NFL free agency and quarterbacks and things of that ilk. It's a 12-5 upset Mississippi beat Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that kid. So that was just not even having a chance. Right, yeah, I forget his name again. Yeah. That program's a mess. Saying, I gotta go find his name. We just did this like two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. Why don't you remember these things? Um, anyway, so all of that going on. John, if you want, you could... It, by the way, it's Friday. So do you want to just let people know right off the top here what isn't happening today? Well, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, I was busy covering the Wisconsin women's basketball team at the Big Ten Tournament. Thursday of this week i was busy producing in between times when i was on the air in this show so there was no access to get creative and then today we're busy from 11 to 2 with the rich eisen show my point being there hasn't been a lot of time to fully invest in a wrap-up this week so i apologize but there will not be a friday wrap-up this week just haven't had the amount of time to do something really good mike and if it's not really good i'm not going to just throw something together and slap it together and throw it on the air because people have have demanded quality I actually had somebody come up to me and ask me about the rap this week. Like, are you going to rap this week? Yep. People, I'm I'm surprised at how many people want to talk about the rap. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it's not going to happen this week. This is the big three at three. The top three trending sports stories this hour. Number three. Marshall Henderson. Henderson. Marshall Henderson. Yeah. That's who we're thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Not Marshall Mathers. Although he did remind me a little bit of Eminem. Right. Uh, I had someone just What's tweet. What's Marshall Henderson doing now, by the way? Who knows? I'll look Didn't he up. have some sort of homophobic thing a couple of years back or something like that? In trouble for some tweet or something? I don't remember. Anyway, I just got a tweet in. Uh, I'm only here to listen to John Audius radio rap. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Man, it, it is disappointing. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's I understand... 
all of the excuses. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, if you want to call it an excuse, go ahead and call what, it an well, excuse. What I'm else just, am I going to call it? Well, I mean, it's it's. I want people to realize the reasoning. I'm not trying to make excuses. I guess if you want to say that, sure. I'm giving you the reasoning behind it, so you just don't think that I was too lazy to make one. Is like I had all this time. Well, I don't know. There's 24 hours in a day. You know what I'm saying? Like you I had, had all this your, time. You had your travel time to and from Indianapolis, when you're sitting on a bus and a plane, and I'm, you know, uh, uh, listen. I'm not. What are you doing? What? What are you doing? I'm trying to to uh, stick up for the listeners who are listening just well, for let's that. Let's not make a big deal out of it, okay? okay. It is what it is. Um, I apologize. I don't know what else you want Marshall to do. Marshall Henderson last played for the Reno Bighorns, the NBA Development League. That's the last time he is uh, he's listed as playing professional basketball. Didn't he get in trouble for a tweet? I don't know. No, I'm going to Google that. This show has just turned into us talking about stuff and not remembering uh, anything. In October of 2016, Henderson signed with the Pavia Basket in the Italian Serie C Gold League. But that's the last reference. Hmm. So that's all I got, John. He was re- waived by Reno after averaging 6.8 points, 1.2 rebounds in four games. So that didn't last long. That's it. He, ex- he ousted Wisconsin from the NCAA tournament almost single-handedly. By his play in the second half, five years ago. 2014, Henderson tweeted something about Michael Sam and all the coverage Sam was getting and called it hashtag sickening. And that's that's what I remember from him getting in trouble. With I just feel bad for um, at D. Bowie, uh, or that's a Twitter handle. It's a different handle, but D. Bowie, who tweeted in that he's yeah, only I'm here sorry. to listen to you rap. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. D. Come back strong next week. Right? Sure? Yeah. Season's okay. done. Got plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, poll question today at Heller Sports. Who do you believe in this whole Sean Miller versus ESPN uh, battle, I guess you could say, that we have going on right now, Mike? Is it Sean Miller? Is it ESPN? Or are you undecided? That was the poll question today at Heller Sports. Yeah. And the, the thing is on this is that I would, I mean, the responsible thing to do here is to vote undecided, to let more information filter in, right? I mean, that's the right way to do it. But if I'd have taken undecided off the poll question, then I would believe the reporting of the news agency in this situation and Mark Schlebaugh at ESPN. And and here's the simple reason why, John. We have, as sports consumers, over the course of the last couple of decades, we have listened to athletes, players, coaches, whoever. We've listened to Lance Armstrong. We've listened to Alex Rodriguez. We've listened to Ryan Braun. We've listened. You can go a long list of the players who have said, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. We've, we've heard all of them. And so many of them just lied when they said they didn't do what the story said they did. They lied. So... If I'm going to believe one or the other right now, I'm going to believe the news reporting and and ESPN and Mark Schlebaugh. And I would also say this about Sean Miller. If he believes that the wiretap information may never make the light of day or that if it does, it would be 18 months, two years down the road, he can can live with what he's doing between now and then because he's working. He's got a bit of his reputation reinstated if this slides off to the side and he denies and the university's behind him and uh, deal with that 
when well, you know deal with that bridge when he's got to cross it, John. That's what they say. The more I think about this is, you know, if you're a coach, you want to put your team in the best position to score every possession, right? You're trying to, at many levels, you know, play the percentages many times too, right? Play those percentages, get the best matchup, blah, blah, blah. Perhaps Sean Miller here is playing the percentages. And maybe he thinks there's a 95% chance that this never gets out. Sure, is there a chance that this does get out and everybody, you know, I get caught in a lie and everybody gets on me and I get fired? Yeah, but maybe there's a 95% chance that that never happens and I still have my job. So I, I, I start to think of it like that and I start to think, well, maybe why wouldn't you come out and deny it, it buys you time, right? It buys you time to keep your job. Your reputation is at stake a little bit more in the eyes of different people. And then if it does ever come out that, yeah, you know what? I was lying. Well, then you're going to get fired, which you were pretty close to getting fired. I'm guessing before this anyway. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you can make the argument both ways, but I, I guess I, I tend to believe the story more just because, I mean, to be honest. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's why not lie, <laughs> Right. So. If, you, if if the if the information can't really make the light of day yeah, for but a if long you, period of time. Yeah. And if you're just playing the percentages, right? Yeah. Why not play yeah. those percentages and roll the dice? Number two. I guess so. I don't know who to believe. Uh, number two in our big three at three. What's the confidence level? What's your confidence level that the Bucks can be a top four seed? Because right now they're not. Um, I Zero. How about that? No, zero. Wow. No, zero. No, okay. That's ridiculous. Rewind that. Can we start that again? <laughs> Three, two, one. Mike, what's your confidence level? The Bucks are currently the seventh seed in the East. What's your confidence level that they might be able to be a top four? Uh, less than 10%. In or about 10%. Why is that? Because they're, they're not playing good basketball. Their schedule continues to be tough over the next week to 10 days. Uh, they still don't have Malcolm Brogdon or Matthew Delvadova. Uh Thon Maker isn't giving them anything. John Henson rarely gives them something. So I would say that their chances to be a top four seed. Here is the goal, the stated goal when the season began. Top four seed, win a playoff series. I don't think they'll get either. It's so fun. This, this has been kind of a roller coaster type of ride with the Bucks, right? There are moments where you're like, man... I don't know where they're going to end up. I don't know how good they're going to be. Kid gets fired. They start winning games. They're like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is what they needed. Then their competition level increases post-All-Star break, and you say, hey, they beat the Raptors, but then they lose three in a row. Um, I would tend to believe that they're likely not going to be a top-four seed. I, I think I probably have a little bit more confidence than you do simply because 
everybody in the Eastern Conference from what three to three to eight or nine is all kind of bunched up there within a, a few games of each other. Especially when you start looking at that four seed, the Bucks are what just two and a half games back of the four seed. So what's to say that they don't go on a little bit of a hot streak? And all of a sudden, pull into that four spot. So I, I have a little bit more confidence than you do. But if I had to put my money on it or an Ian's Pizza on it today, I would say they probably don't get that home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Hmm. So maybe like a 25%. Wow, you level. gave them 15% more than me. Well, I mean, that's 75% of the time I'm not confident in them. Yeah. So I don't know, okay. however you want to look at that. Number one. Well, as far as getting that four seed. Uh, number one in our big three at three, Mike. Badger basketball loses to Michigan State. Did you catch that game today? Saw it, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on this year's Badgers and how everything wrapped up now that we know the season is done? And what's your uh, anticipation for next season's Badger team? Because I've seen a lot of tweets of people already ready for the eighteen nineteen season. Um, I would say. Uh, I'm I'm excited about what this team will be next season. I know a lot of people, um, you know, go back to the uh, cool story, bro, Doug Gottlieb deal. Okay, remember that one? You are so sour on that still, aren't you? Why do you say that? I'm just saying. I saw you tweet at him. <laughs> just was it today? Yeah, or yesterday? No, today. Okay. Why? What's your point on that? I'm just saying you're a little salty on that. Uh, I shouldn't be. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying that you are. Are you saying I shouldn't be? I'm saying that you are. <laughs> All right, so about the Gottlieb deal. Well, um, okay, so Gottlieb's deal on this, when he said it originally, he said, Big Ten as down as it ever will be, and they're at the bottom. Good news, they're all back next year. Bad news, they're all back next year. And in other words, the program is in trouble, because it went on to say that. I don't, I don't agree with that. And if you've watched them play down the stretch, and you bring back everybody except for Aaron Mesh and Matt Ferris... You, If you bring back everybody, Brad Davison comes back with two arms, right? Instead of one, you bring back your point guard, Demetric Trice. You bring back one of your most talented young players, Kobe King. You add in Anderson, the, the transfer from Green Bay that's been kind of tearing it up, I, I guess, in practice. And you add those into the mix with bringing everybody else back and they're playing the way they are now. I would say they're in pretty good shape. I mean, I, I'm that to me looks pretty good. Yeah, I'm optimistic uh, about next year with uh, Nate the Reavers. Health. Looks like a, like he's a player that'll turn into something. I mean, Reavers a freshman, true. Um, you just look at the players that are doing the work for him. Many of them are freshmen, either true or redshirt. So well, two things we yeah. we talked about you know, as the season went on. We talked about especially early on that don't worry, Greg Gard will have these guys playing well at the end of the season. Now, as the season got deeper and deeper, you kind of realize, well, this is not an NCAA tournament team. This is probably not an NIT team. But guess what happened? Greg Gard had his team playing better and better at the end of the season, despite all the limitations they had. So, from from that respect, we were right. They were playing better at the end of the year, and they had a chance to top the number one seed today. So I'm excited about that, and I'm glad that actually happened because I, I think that gets you more confident for next year. It gets you more confident because you know the team, at the way they're constructed right now, are able to to have moments where they can play really well together. So if you get a healthy Brad Davison, Ethan Happ comes back, and, and you get more health and, and more depth added to this team, like you have to be confident that the players on the court will be better, so you would hope the wins and losses would be more. 
And um, I'm looking forward to I'm, I'm very optimistic about next year. John, where's uh, where's this Megan Gustafson from? Iowa. She was the Big Ten play, well, split player of the year. Where's she from? Oh, from the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. Port Wing, Wisconsin, South Shore High School, home of Jolene Anderson. Oh. Scorers coming from there, huh? Yeah. 48 points today. 48 points for Iowa, yeah. I was just seeing that. Why did you not recruit her to play here? I I, uh, I tried. She picked Iowa. You need to try better. Yeah. 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 She's a, she's a really good player. What else were you saying? Great player. Uh, coming up next, Mike, the NCAA has a proposal to change a rule and it could drastically alter college football games. What? I'll tell you what that is coming up next. Why do I not know this? I just I just saw it on Twitter. Crazy. All right, whatever that is. It, it literally came out 25 minutes ago. Whatever this is, I will find out next. So will you if you stay with us. This is the Mike Keller Show. Go, 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 shorty. It's your birthday. We're going to party like it's your birthday. Welcome back to the Mike Keller Show. John Audius, Mike Keller with you. And you know we don't. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just sitting right here. I was waiting. I have saw a story about college football, Mike, that could change the way the game is played. Now, maybe I'm being a little bit too dramatic on this, but did you see this? I saw this from about 30 minutes ago. The NCAA Football Rules Committee has proposed altering kickoff rules to allow the receiving team to fair catch the kick inside the 25-yard line and have it result in a touchback. Is this good or Say bad it again. for college football? Say so, it again. Um, the Rules Committee proposing to allow the receiving team to fair catch a kick inside the 25-yard line and have it result in a touchback. So that that stems from, obviously, the ball being placed at the 25 and some teams trying to kick it short forcing a return knowing that you're going to be able to stop them before they get back to where they could have if you just had kicked it deep. So the option of putting their hand up in the air and treating a kickoff like you do a punt, but the fair catch would then be inside your own 25-yard line would be moved out to right. the 25. Right, so if a team kicked it and it's you know, you're going to catch it at about the 5 or the 10 and you don't think that's a smart idea to try to get back to the 25, you just fair catch it and you're good. I mean that kind of changes strategy. It it basically basically is going to allow teams that almost always start at the twenty five yard line. I would think, unless you're kind of just rolling the dice and thinking you can do better than that. John, I think most teams when they feel like if they catch the football inside the the ten yard line that they're going to get outside the twenty five. I don't think it's a dramatic change. I doubt that you would see that come into play all that often. I think kick returners are trained unless unless the philo- uh, unless the philosophy of a coaching staff says, "Hey, if you can field a ball outside of the goal line, I want it fair caught every time." Or before they leave the sideline, if he short kicks this in the air and you have an opportunity to catch it before it gets in the end zone, fair catch it. That's the rule. You know, it, I, but I don't know how often that would happen. I think a lot of times coaches look forward to the opportunity to have a return. They might say to their players, don't take the ball out of the end zone. But if you can catch it, if you're outside of the end zone and you can catch it, go. I mean, but think of those teams. I saw one of the tweets saying that they're trying to limit like sky kicks or, or a kick where you know you're going to give your 
your guys enough time to get down there, and if they catch it at the 10, they might get it 8, 9, 10 yards, but they're probably not going to get it 15. And the, So therefore, you're always starting at an advantage. Yeah, but my argument there would be that that's far more likely in the NFL where kickers uh, are more adept, where kickers have really learned how to uh, utilize their talents and their skill set. And certain teams try to do that to short kick it high to allow your coverage to get down there to pin a team back inside their 20-yard line. I don't know that that is a ploy used a ton in the college game. Coaches are always freaking out on that high kick. It's usually to the corner. You know, a high, shorter kick is usually um, outside the hash marks. And they're fearful that the ball's going to go out of bounds and give it give the other team the ball at the 40. What about... So they don't do it. Or they squib it, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And force you to... Well, I mean, you could still do that, couldn't you? Could you not squib it all the way down? I mean, that's not really a... Could you fair catch a squib? I mean, I don't think well, so. Well, you can give yourself up on a squib by okay, just taking true. a knee. That's and true. is that the equivalent of a fair catch signal? If you catch it and drop to a knee, is that the same thing? Hmm. What would be better, this proposal where teams are basically going to be guaranteed to get the ball at the 25, it's going to have less collisions and, and things like that, or is it better just to just get rid of kickoffs? Just say, you know what, your, well, we your brought, turn, start we at brought, the 25. We brought that concept up is uh, to, uh, you know, and I think it's been bantied about in the NFL is to get rid of the kickoffs. It's the only play, John, in which teams and their players get a running start on both sides to run headlong into one another. It's a dangerous play. It's a play that results in in injuries. On the punting teams, they don't do that because keep in mind, the players that are receiving the punt are at the line of scrimmage and they're running back up the field with the punting team pretty much in lockstep and then they turn around and try and hit. There's no um, battering ram collision of which they're both going 18 miles an hour and run into each other. As they are on kickoffs. So what would you would you rather just eliminate a kickoff? I mean, still with the opportunity, because I know right now someone's yelling at the radio, but what about onside kicks? I mean, I think you would still allow... We've had that conversation that said... You could still allow you, for the opportunity of an onside kick. Yeah, that you would just, you, would just, you know, call that, hey, we're, kick, we're kicking it, mm-hmm. um, which means that the ball's no kickoff. You just give the other team the ball at the 25. It's like going for two. Yeah, it would reduce... A surprise onside kick. Yeah, you're, yeah, you That's the be, only thing. It, would it wouldn't be. be a surprise if you if you ran your team out there. You know, again, uh, you, well, that's not necessarily the case. We've talked about this, not to reinvent the wheel here, but we have talked about this. What's well, not necessarily a team, the case? Because a team would have, uh, like, they have challenges. A team would be offered the opportunity of twice in a game, whatever that number is, once in a game, to put their kicking team on the field. Either to kick it deep or to onside kick. They, there's no rule that says if you put your kicking team out there. But two, you would have the option of two times in the game. I don't know what that number is, John. Right, 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 right. Two times in a game you run your kicking team out there. It could be because you want to try and pin them deep. You want a high corner kick it and put your coverage team down there to see if you can pin them deep in their own end. Or it could be that you want to try an onside kick. But you would have two options. There are two times in a game in which you could do that. One is to take advantage of momentum to try and pin them deep. Another one is desperation time where you're going to run the potential of an onside kick. But if you ever instituted the college rule, you could never really pin anybody deep. 
right? It would basically be non-existent. Correct. That wouldn't happen. Unless you try to run it out of the end zone yeah. for some strange yeah. reason. So so there's that. Talk about dramatic change of the game. Uh, yeah, that's that's a potential dramatic game changer. You bet. I, I think it's it's more dramatic, obviously, if you eliminate the kicks um, in their entirety and allow the two opportunities, one or two opportunities per game. Uh, nonetheless. All right. Uh, earlier today, you want to uh, give them the Tony Granato interview when we come back? Yeah, let's, you let's hear that? from Tony Granato. Tony sure. Granato, the uh, Wisconsin hockey coach. We had him on earlier today. We guest hosted on the Rich Eisen Show nationwide. And in the conversation with Tony Granato on the national front with the Rich Eisen Show, most of the conversation is about the Olympic experience, uh, whether there should be NHL players in there, and and a little bit about Wisconsin at the end, just to, to give uh, a, a little Rich Eisen show perspective to it. You'll hear that conversation with Tony Granado. He's in Michigan, where the Badgers take on the Wolverines in Game 1 of a best-of-three Big Ten playoff series tonight in Ann Arbor. Uh, you'll hear from Tony Granado when we come back. You're listening to The Mike Heller Show. What are you looking at me? Wait for it. That's, that's weak. It's an all-friends Friday. All-friends music all Friday afternoon. As opposed to the wrap-up, which we're not going to get. For those that don't know, it's been a busy week, okay? I was on the road for two days. I was busy in studio with other things besides this show on Thursday, and we had the Rich Eisen show today, okay? There hasn't been... It takes, like... A, Hey, I could hey, knock out a decent John, wrap up. It's, all, it's, it's okay. I'll be there for you. Thank you. All friends songs. So we just play this song over <laughs> every and every over. break. In and out of every break today. Let's play the friends theme. That'd be pretty funny, actually. Uh, Tony Granado joined us earlier today when we were guest hosting on the Rich Eisen Show, which you could always listen to on Fox Sports Radio or on your iHeartRadio app. You could take the show with you. Not just this show, but the Rich Eisen Show, too. We were there earlier today. We visited with Wisconsin coach, but more importantly in this case, former, now former, USA Olympic men's hockey coach, Tony Granato. I'm curious. I know it's a little uh, after the fact, but um, in in essentially in a, a what, about a 48-hour span, uh, the USA men in Pyeongchang lost in a shootout in uh, the Olympic tournament, and then the women win the gold medal in a shootout. Did your feelings... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection. The lightest ever shoes from Allbirds. Now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. 
of the merits of the shootout in Olympic hockey change? <laughs> they did. I did. They did. If you saw my tweet, uh, I, I referred to as, as as much as I disliked shootouts uh, a night before. I kind of liked them uh, after the women won their gold medal. So it's it's a crappy way to end a tournament. I'll tell you that we, you know, you you got. Every four years, you get a chance to play in the Olympics. Our players that were there, we had 24 new Olympians. Brian Gianto was the only returning Olympian. And I would say maybe one or two of our players, maybe three of them, have a chance to play in another Olympic Games. You, you work your rear ends off and you get yourself into a position that's going to be decided by a shootout on whether or not you go for a advance to the medal round. It was kind of a, a crappy way to end. But it's the way the format's been set up forever. So you got to live by the rules and how it uh, uh, you know, how it was already described to you on how it was going to end had it gone, you know, past the overtime period. So it was a tremendous run for our guys. I was really proud of them on how hard they played and how close they uh, came to advancing. And, uh, you know, like you said, the two nights later, I think it was, uh, the women were able to beat Canada in a, in a exciting, maybe one of the most exciting games I've ever watched. Uh, I was lucky enough to stick around and, and watch them win the gold medal. And it was uh it was great for American hockey. It was great for women's hockey. It was great for Olympic hockey. And and obviously it was a big proud moment for USA Hockey to come up with the gold medal there. Tony, it was obviously different this time around. If you're not a hockey fanatic, I follow the game, but I, don't, I didn't know your roster. Uh, and a lot of the Americans that tuned in to watch you didn't know the roster. But we, we learned to know the names of Troy Terry and, uh, and you know, Brock Little and... Um, Jordan Greenway, well, whose uh, whose brother plays on your Wisconsin team, right. and Brian Gianto had been in the league. We learned to know all these players, which was you know takes us back to when before the NHL was in the Olympic Games. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest with you on this. Seven months ago, when I got the call from Jim Johansson to be the coach of the team, um, without NHL players there, I didn't know what our talent pool was going to be. I didn't know where we were going to get players from. Uh, you know, I had my doubts of geez. You know, who the heck are we going to get to play to represent our country? And and Jimmy uh, immediately, you know, said, "Hey, Tone, we got a, we got a great talent pool to draw from. A lot of these guys have have uh, you know gone over to Europe to play hockey. We got some great college kids we can draw from. We got some players from the minor leagues that will be attractive to our team roster and filling some spots for us. Uh, and the more I looked at the roster and the depth that we have as as a country and, and players playing professionally in Europe and like we said, the collegiate level and the, and the minor league level." I got more and more excited about it. I didn't know these players. I really didn't. So I learned them as the season went along as well by watching video and, and getting to know them, you know, uh, throughout the season. And, and what I hoped for was at the end of the tournament, like you just said, you would know who Brock Little was and Ryan Donato was and Ryan Zapolsky was because, you know, our, our players that have gone on to play in Europe that, that are somewhat forgotten are still really good hockey players and exciting players. And I thought we played a great brand of hockey. I thought we were exciting. I thought we were extremely competitive. You know, we were a breakaway. We hit the crossbar uh, late in the game. We had a couple in overtime that dribbled through the goalie that, that just went wide for us. We couldn't get a break to advance, but we were really close to competing for a medal. And that's what our, our objective was uh, to represent the United States. Like we, we go to all of our tournaments expecting to win and to be able to compete with anybody. And we did do that. So, so it was a great tribute to the depth that we have. Uh, it was a great tribute to the players that that uh, were somewhat forgotten and, and, and to have a chance to step up on the international stage and, and have such a great showing, I thought, was 
was uh, really complimentary towards the players that we did select. So I was happy with it. I was proud of the guys and how hard they played, how fast we came together. We had five practices uh, before <laughs> the crazy. tournament. That's it. And the rest of the teams, you know, were together for, you know, some of the teams we played played in the previous Olympics together as a team. So sure. it was it was a challenge, and I thought we, we stepped up and, and represented us the way we thought we could. We're visiting with Tony Granato, Team USA men's hockey coach in the Olympics that wrapped up a couple of weeks ago at Pyeongchang. Uh, you spent a lot of time in the NHL. Is the National Hockey League missing the boat by pulling back from allowing their players to play in the Olympics? Well, again, I don't think it was necessarily just the National Hockey League. I think there was just a misunderstanding along the way between the players and, and, and the owners and, and the NHL on trying to figure out how it would work within that schedule to get all the way over to South Korea to play. Right. Um, it, it's a tremendous tournament. I was there in Sochi with the with the NHL guys as assistant coach. Uh, I loved it when the NHL guys were in the Olympics, but I also loved this tournament as well. You know, Germany is uh, uh, you know a minute away from winning a gold medal. If the NHL players were there, Germany would have been would have been the 12th seed and probably you know been lucky to stay within three or four goals of the team. So the competition and the level. Uh, play balanced uh, was balanced throughout the uh, tournament from from the top team to the bottom team. Uh, I thought that was exciting. I think the purity of the Olympics of, of non professionals being there was something to get excited about. And like you said, you just named the, you made a name Brock Little. I, I think I told you seven months ago. I didn't really know. I heard the name Brock Little before. Yeah. I knew he played college hockey. Didn't know anything about him, and, and almost he almost became an Olympic star. Uh, so a lot of that is kind of what the Olympics are, people stepping up to the Olympic stage that pe- nobody's ever heard of and all of a sudden, uh, you know, becoming, you know, stars for, for their sport. And I, I think that that was exciting as well. Now, moving forward, what's the best thing for hockey? What's the best thing for the Olympics? Uh, you know, I, I would guess that it'll be revisited on whether or not the, the pros will play uh, in the next Olympics. I think a lot of pros missed being part of it. I think the NHL missed not being there. Uh, so I think that it's potential that, that this thing could turn back in the NHL guys playing in the next Olympics as well. So we'll wait and see. But yeah. either way, it's it's a tremendous sporting event. I think it was great for hockey uh, that the amateurs or the non-NHL players could play in it again. And I think it was a good showing all the way around. So uh, let me ask you a question before we, we let you go. I know you've got Wisconsin's got a hockey game uh, in the Big Ten tournament tonight uh, at Michigan in the best of three series. But you've spent uh, your whole life on the ice have you ever curled? No. Well, I'm a curling fan now. <laughs> I mean, that was spectacular to see. Um, you know, I just, you know, the Olympic spirit, and, and we had a chance as, uh, to be in the same dorm, so to speak, or living quarters as all the other American athletes uh, on the and for the ice sports. We weren't. We were separated from the skiers and the, and the, and the athletes that were up in the mountains, but but uh, it was tremendous to get to know the other athletes from speed skating, figure skating, curling. Uh, we did get to meet the skiers at the closing and opening ceremonies and, and a couple other events. Uh, and, and it's really, when you're there, you know, you're focused on your sport and doing well for your team. But, but to see the curling team win, to see the women's team win, to see some of our speed skaters and figure skaters and, and, and other athletes do well for your country. There's a lot of pride in that as well. And, and uh, we rallied our our guys. We're so fired up for the curlers. We had 
you know, I had chances to eat lunch with them and see them around the dorms a lot and, and to watch them uh, step forward on their stage and win a gold medal was really exciting. Tony, uh, uh, do me a favor, would you, as a, as a Wisconsin guy, uh, this is the Rich Eisen show, he's a Michigan guy, would you go mm-hmm. ahead and, and uh, help the Badgers I know that. Uh, get, get a weekend yeah. here in Michigan, please? We will We will be ready. It should be a great uh, a weekend of hockey here. Michigan's had a phenomenal year. Mel Pearson's come in and placed Red Berenson, and their program's up and running, and they've had a tremendous year. We've had four great games with them, so I expect a phenomenal series, and and uh, they're great hosts. This is a great hockey town and great sports town. So, looking forward to, to the weekend series. It should be great hockey. That is uh, Tony Granado. He joined us earlier today. We were guest hosting the Rich Eisen show. So much more uh, driven to national conversation. We didn't get into talking about Wisconsin and Michigan, which is a best of three Big Ten hockey tournament weekend series in Ann Arbor. So Brian Posick will have the call that game tonight, the the first of that hopefully um, best of three winning series for Wisconsin this weekend. Uh, so we didn't get into that conversation, but they had good luck the last time they were in there. They won the Saturday night game uh, about three, four weeks ago, the last time they were in. So see if they can uh, carry that through. They have not played their best hockey of late. See what they do tonight starting against the Wolverines in a best of three. We've got a couple more interviews coming up from the Rich Eisen show today. Right later, uh, what do we got next hour? We'll hear from Michael McCann, legal expert for Sports Illustrated, talking about the Sean Miller storyline. And then in the five o'clock hour, Mike, we've got uh, NFL insider from today, Jason Lockhart from CBS Sports, talking about NFL offseason and free agency. Yeah, that's that's right, John. And you know, this also just in one of the the other top notch recruit for Arizona has backed out on the Sean Miller uh, deal. Um, so Brandon Williams now also rescinding his uh, deal with Arizona to leave didn't, to didn't, go. Uh, Sharif O'Neal, yeah, uh, Shaq's, Shaq's son, yeah, yeah. also uh, left there. He's going to UCLA. So the the ramifications of that storyline with Sean Miller at Arizona are not done just because he denied it and the Arizona is standing behind their head coach. Uh, the ramifications run a little bit deeper than that. We uh, have more conversation about Wisconsin's Big Ten tournament exit today, a three-point loss to Michigan State. By the way, the Spartans will take on the Wolverines in the semifinal coming up tomorrow. We'll talk more about the Badgers next on the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our color show where the numbers ain't. With a paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I will get So I'll just I'll just um, echo the sentiments of Packers Todds and Ends on Twitter. Was really looking forward to hearing John Audius Radio's wrap up, but I understand completely. He was really busy this week. Listeners might be thinking he petered out, but I'm not worried. John will be back better than ever. I don't know if I agree with the last part, but he's really busy this week. That that fits. 
No wrap-up today. Sorry to disappoint. It's not... It's up to John. It's always... I mean, that's... that. He's got well, the... I'm not cr- going to... Listen, you huh? know how much time we had between I getting behind this, this microphone? Just about? today. I usually record on a Friday because I don't want to miss. There have been days where I add in a, a, a storyline at the end, right? Because something happened Thursday night or... Sure, yeah. yeah. You know, so that's I, good I, work I, by you. I, I do it Friday. Um, the process of that, once everything is complete and the rhyme is done, yeah, yeah. that process takes... 20 30 minutes i got in behind this microphone at about 225 today let me ask you a question there's just not enough time when they i apologize there's really only one guy working on it when they do the um one shining moment at the end of the ncaa tournament they fit in you know in in about an eight minute window they fit in the highlights from that final game on that monday night yeah they they don't put together the entire thing right they just fill in they wait they wait for the end right 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 they fill in the the last pieces couldn't you have done that? Well, I would have had to written it first. Yeah, that's what I mean. Here are the con- I can share with you the no, concepts. Uh, no, I don't. That's, you don't want to know the concepts no, of what I, I was going to really, rap about. I think it's really unfair to tease the listeners. This is what it would have been if I'd have done it. Something about Davison scoring thirty. See, I would have had to throw in something about today. Matt Hamilton would have been in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something that rhymes with mustache. Right. What does rhyme with mustache? I must ask. Oh, well, not really, but yeah. In, close in a, enough, yeah. In a rap version, you can make lots of stuff rhyme yeah. with mustache. Something about Ryan Braun at first base. So I, I had laid out... He must le- bash. Must bash? Yeah. Something, something with Matt Hamilton's mustache. Yeah, yeah. See, so I had I had a bunch of concepts and a couple of lines, but it wasn't enough. Yeah, uh, I'm with yeah. you, Todd's and Enza. Disappointed and understanding. Thank you. I'm not. Don't know that uh, I'm. Are with you not with Todd's and Enza on that point? <laughs> oh. Uh, welcome aboard on a Friday afternoon. Here's the. Uh, I'm going to steal from John. Here's my bottom line on Badger basketball right now and in the last three weeks. They played like a Sweet 16-ish team in the NCAA tournament. Problem is, they finished the season at 15-18 and 18 with today's three-point loss to Michigan State. They battled their tails off. It's a team that... Here's the, here's the thing about this Wisconsin basketball team, is that they competed and where other teams and programs would have splintered broken apart, and finished the season on a whimper. This team did the opposite. They did the opposite. They set the table for what they'll come back to in October. Now, there's a lot of work between now and then. There's a surgery for Brad Davison on his shoulder. There's uh, Ethan Happ's decision. He said after the game today that he will put his name in on the NBA draft combine to see where he might stack up where that's concerned. If he's not a first-round choice, his decision will be to come back to Wisconsin. He put to bed any of the rumors that he would be a grad transfer. He said, my choice is either go to the NBA or come back to Wisconsin. So bring back Ethan Happ. Bring back Brad Davison after surgery. Add in uh, you know, seniors in Khalil Iverson. Add in a senior in, in the work that's been done by Charles Thomas and Alex Illicanen, and some of those guys that didn't produce much. They'll be seniors. And then bring back Demetric Trice. Bring in Kobe King. Bring in um, a number of players 
who are just tr- either true freshmen or redshirt freshmen this year. Nate Reavers, add a year of strength and weight room work with him. I think the team set the table for what's next. And that's a good table to be setting right now. And for those who thought, um, as uh, my buddy Doug Gottlieb did, that the program's in trouble, I think they just sent a message. I think they sent a message over the last three weeks. And I like the message that's sent. Thought they could have won today's game. Think they needed... Remember what I was talking about, about the upset? You need a little help from your opposition? They got a... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. A little bit of help. They missed free throws late, and I didn't think they got referee help. Not that you need their assistance, but I thought there were times in the game where they didn't get enough help from the officiating crew. Uh, NIT, out of the question, right? Do we both agree that that's not going to happen? Or would you give it like a one in what chance? No, I don't give it a chance. Okay, now, let me ask you this question. Had they upset Michigan State Sunday, and then everything played out exactly like it did today, a three, desperation three to tie, and you come up short, and they're 16 and 17, do you think the NIT gives them more consideration? Uh yeah. Probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you agree with me from last week. I appreciate that. The second no, but part of I that. Don't, but I don't want them in it. Come on. That's just a, okay, go ahead. It's a fun little jab at you. Forget about Thank it. Thank you. Uh, so they're 16 and 17. Um, it's just amazing the turnaround. I think that just shows just how close this team was to, to really giving it a push to make that postseason win. Uh, what, three weeks ago? We would have been like, yeah, that's not that's not going to happen. I mean, we're we we've come to grips with it. It's not going to happen. And then to have them do what they've done over the last however many games, starting with that Purdue game, um, it just shows you that that's what Badger basketball does. It gets better as the season goes along, and sometimes it takes a little bit longer than normal because of the circumstances you're dealt. But I just think it's really impressive that they were basically a few points away from perhaps getting stronger consideration in the NIT. Than they would have gotten. I I I understand that. I just did. That wouldn't be my desire. Yeah, that's a totally different question. Whether or not they would be considered, or whether or not you would want them to compete, those are two totally different topics. But 
Yeah, I mean, I would have, I wouldn't have minded watching them in the NIT. Now I can see from the perspective of you want Davison to get that shoulder healthy, yada yada yada. Yeah, I, I would have liked them to see to put in that type of postseason situation just to give them a little bit of a more of a taste. I get that part, but you know how we talk about the court storming police that you have a, a strong opinion on. Mm-hmm. To be talking about, oh, and if they could have just won one more game, they would be on the edge and, and maybe be in the NIT. That's like, I don't want you in the NIT after 19 years in the NCAA tournament as an under 500 team. Well, I would have taken it just as a building opportunity. I don't know if they need to build as much as they need the rest. Uh, I think Brad Davison needs to have the surgery. Um, I, I just. I mean, what's the difference of a couple of weeks going to make? I don't know. You decide. I don't know if it would have been that big of a deal. I I wouldn't have minded, you know. I would have taken the NIT as a consolation prize for you know not making the tournament this year. I would have I would have wanted any type of postseason basketball taste as a fan from that perspective. That I that I you know I, would I see have taken what you're that. doing. We just don't agree. Okay, that's okay. I would have I would have loved to watch the Badgers in the postseason, whether it's the NIT or the NCAA. You know what we have now? We have 27 days until we have a game. Well, I shouldn't say that. We have a 27-day window of which your focus is on the Bucks. Brewer Spring Training, which will be at Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week, but they play a game that matters 27 days from now. 27 days. That's the countdown, which is great. But it's the first March in 20 years in which we're not talking Badger basketball after as we look at it right now, March second. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be strange. It's gonna be strange shifting that attention more so to the Bucks than you would have gotten before. And and I I'll be honest. I mean, the tournament excites you because it's the tournament and cool things happen, right? That it's definitely not the same. Yeah, you don't get to build that Thursday or Friday around the game, and then hopefully that Saturday or Sunday around the game. It's like I I don't know how to approach the tournament now, other than just enjoying it for what it is and the ncaa tournament gets underway in earnest 13 days from now so it's a bit off yet it's a bit off you ready oh move, move still, that bus. Oh, are we still doing this thing yeah this is the big four at four the top four trending sports stories this hour number four here is what's trending did you see this proposal by the ncaa the rules committee proposing in college football to alter kickoff rules to allow the receiving team, Mike, to fair catch a kickoff inside the 25-yard line and have it result in a touchback. Good idea or bad idea? I think it's an ineffective idea. I don't see it happening very often. I don't think it really comes into play. I think uh, the only time you would fair catch that, John, would be if you were between the 5-yard line and the goal line. And then only maybe... A lot of times those kicks, especially in the college game, that don't make the end zone, they're line drives. And you want your returner to take that opportunity because coverage isn't very good. On a high short kick, which college kickers aren't great at, that's inside the 5-yard line? Yeah. At the 10-yard line? No. The 10-yard line, you think you can get a 15-yard return. Take your chances because you can break it and go to the house. So I think... Although well-intentioned, and it sounds like it's a game-changer, I think it hardly comes into play. Really? Uh, It's interesting because in the college game, it seemed that they were able to 
be more effective of those sky kicks, right? Those high kicks where you're able to chase down the opposition and keep them, you know, you just basically give them worse field position than if you had kicked it another five or six yards deep. And it seemed almost like there was a bit of a loophole there. And this proposal could potentially close that loophole. I'm not sure how much it changes the game other than it's going to be weird to see that if that does pass and you see somebody fair catch at the, like the 18 yard line or something like that, or the 10 yard line or wherever that might be. Um, it still wouldn't stop like a kind of a squib type of kick. But then even if you feel that a squib kick and you decided to take a knee, you would still be within the 25 yard line. Right? So maybe that's the way to do it. If you really want to pin somebody, right? You squib it and you force them to, get to the 25 before you can stop them, right? Wouldn't that be the, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the next thought process? If you really wanted that field position of your, of your opposition to be within the 25, you start squibbing it, making them feel it. Yeah, but then the, the question 10. ends up being from that rule standpoint, on a squib kick, do you have the same option of giving yourself up and getting the ball at the 25-yard line? Right. On a squib, you also have the opportunity to field it before it got deep into sure. your coverage unit. Yep. So... Um, you know, I'm I'm just not sure that this. I, I I watch all obviously I'm there at all the Wisconsin games, home and away. But I, you know, Wisconsin's role there was they they hit it for touchbacks almost all the time. I don't know what that percentage was, um, and they weren't efforting to kick it high and within the ten to five yard line. They were, you know, the the goal was every time you could kick it out of the end zone, and more often than not, unless it was a windy day. And into the wind, that's exactly what they were doing. So I think it's I think it's a lot less impactful than maybe it appears on paper. I don't know. We'd have to see how it plays. Number three. Mike, number three in our big three at three is a tradition unlike any other. A Mike Heller Twitter poll question. Oh. At Heller Sports, today's poll question uh, on the Rich Eisen Show, we'll use this one. Uh, it's about Sean Miller. Basically, who do you believe? Do you believe ESPN's story on Miller? Do you believe Miller, who came out and said he's never paid a player? Or are you undecided? 42% undecided. 42% ESPN. 16% believe Sean Miller. Let's go, Mella. That's a, a broad church reference. You've oh, never seen it. Okay. Don't worry about it. All right. um, Arizona's Sean Miller. Would I? Okay, so if I take out the undecided portion of this, which got 42% of the vote, if I take that out and I have to vote that I believe Sean Miller in Arizona mm-hmm. or Mark Schlabel on ESPN, I'm going to vote Mark Schlabel on ESPN. There's a there's a reason. The reason is is that as sports consumers, political consumers, entertainment consumers, we have been lied to too many times by those denying. Deny, deny, deny. And you know, whether you want to cite Lance Armstrong or Ryan Braun or Alex Rodriguez or uh Rafael Palmero, whatever, wherever you want to go on that line of defense. We have been lied to over and over and over again. So if I'm going to side one way here or the other, I'm going to trust my my history here and what I've learned over the course of time, and I'm going to trust the report and not the accused or the alleged because all we've heard is deny, deny, deny. And typically one of the, one of the ways it used to be is deny until they can prove it. So if you're, if you're Sean Miller right now and if you're Arizona and – you're sitting there, and we're, we're going to hear from Michael McCann in this hour because he joined us earlier. In fact, that will come up in about 10 minutes. He made it pretty clear that 
that wiretap that is reported out there is not publicly accessible, and it may never be. So if I'm Sean Miller, maybe I'm simply going to roll the dice that that will never make it to the public domain. And I'm going to deny it, and I'm going to steadfastly deny it. And if it ever makes it there, maybe it's 18 months or two years from now, I got 18 months or two years of work. If it if it never makes it there, then all I have were, were those rumors from back in 2018. That's that's why I'm more inclined to believe the ESPN Mark Schlebaugh side of this. Rumors that I emphatically denied, right? That I said I never yeah, even right. happened. Correct. Like, not even close to happening. Yes. I've never done anything yep. like that. Absolutely. So. Mm. Number two. Confidence level. I want to hear it. What's your confidence level that the Bucks can be a top four seed in the NBA playoffs in the East? Right now, Mike, they are the seventh seed. Yeah, I would put that number, John. Hmm. How do I want to do this? I would put my confidence level. I think we're going percentage chance of that happening, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go at or about 10%. So really what I'm betting on here is, unfortunately, I'm betting against the Bucks. Right now they are two and one-half games behind the fourth-seeded Washington Wizards. Two in the loss column, two and a half overall. But in between them is Philadelphia, Indiana, and then the Wizards. And I just don't believe that right now without Malcolm Brogdon, without Matthew Dellavedova, and with a still another week or so that is a fairly difficult schedule, including Indiana tonight on your home court, I just don't believe they're going to make up the ground on the Wizards. I don't believe they're going to make up the ground on the Sixers, which is only a half a game, one in the loss column. Uh, so no, I don't think they're going to get to a top four seed line. We agree. I would, give that, I would say that percentages at or about ten percent. We agree. Although I'll put it at about twenty five. And here is why: number three through number eight, there's a difference of four and a half games right now from the three spot to the eight spot. So point being, it's everybody's just jumbled up, and you really have no clue which way it could go. We've seen a team like Washington prevail despite losing John Wall. We've seen Philly just beat Cleveland, so they're kind of in a in a hot streak. I think they've won eight of their last ten. And we've seen the Bucks go on a hot streak once Jason Kidd got fired. So all these different teams have had runs. So what's to say that the Bucks don't go on a run later in the season, and just because they're two and a half back right now, maybe they make up that ground and they steal that fourth spot right toward the end of the yeah, season. It only takes one run. You're right. It only takes one run. So... Although I, I I know that it's close and everything, I still only give it a twenty five percent chance because uh, I just think I think right now there are too many question marks with the Milwaukee Bucks, and maybe like I said, maybe that changes quickly, but um, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to consistently chip away. Does that make sense? Yep. So I'd, I'd give it like a twenty five percent chance. That's too much. But guess what? In a week, it's probably going to be like, of course they're going to get the four seed. That's the way this season's yeah, gone. It's, yeah. They've been through the. As soon eight, as you think four. you know, it yeah. goes the other way. Yeah, it goes the opposite way. Number one, number one in our big four at four. Mike, thoughts on this year's Bachelor basketball season, and thoughts on next year? Because a lot of people on Twitter getting really pumped up about the eighteen nineteen Badger basketball season. Well. um... I loved how they played down the stretch. The last three weeks of Badger basketball was the type of Badger basketball that for years we have fallen in love with. We have uh, been honored by to to watch a team that plays with that amount of heart and effort and desire and want to. Um, 
that part leaves you very encouraged. There's still a talent void. I mean, there's just there's still a talent void. They are not as talented, as gifted as the top teams in the conference. And that process needs to continue to, to move in the right direction. I like Nate Reavers a lot. I think by the time it's all said and done, he will be a, a potential first-team All-Big Tenor. Brad Davison, same deal. I love what Kobe King can be. I like Demetric Trice. Ethan Happ is he's an all-conference, first-team all-conference player, despite what the coaches voted this year. So all of those in play. Yeah, I think this team is a top 25 team a year from now, and they're in the NCAA tournament as a, uh, you know, we'll see what that seed line might be. But I think they're back in the NCAA tournament a year from now, and the way they played down the stretch was fantastic. It was fun to watch. This is a team, I said this to you off the air earlier today, the way they played in the last three weeks, they're a Sweet 16 team. They're just not going to make the field. Too much, uh, too much downside earlier. We're going to hear from Michael McCann. He joined us on the Rich Eisen Show earlier today talking about this Sean Miller situation. Really interesting conversation from the legal side of it. Michael McCann knows what he's talking about, where that's concerned. He from Sports Illustrated joined us earlier today on the Rich Eisen Show. Hear that conversation next. This is the Mike Heller Show. Hello? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. What happened here? I thought we were having an All Friends Friday. (laughs) Did you really want me to play the Friends theme song again? Do whatever you want, John. Uh, We are working through the Friday afternoon. Wisconsin eliminated from the Big Ten men's basketball tournament. Look at the date. It's March the 2nd, and Wisconsin basketball is done. That's the first time in two decades. The first time in 20 years that Wisconsin is all in, all done, this early of a date. But a a proud finish, man. They finished hard in the last uh, few weeks. We'll talk more about it in a bit. There are bigger issues where Arizona basketball... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. I was concerned. Sean Miller yesterday taking the microphone, denying all of the allegations that were out there on the Mark Schlebaugh ESPN report of, uh, of Miller offering $100,000 to a recruit. Earlier today, Michael McCann, sports legal analyst for Sports Illustrated, Joined us on the Rich Eisen Show talking about that Sean Miller situation. 
Michael, this is a really interesting setup that's going on situation with Arizona and with Sean Miller. What is what is most pressing to you from a legal perspective in this storyline? Well, I'll tell you, Mike, it's, it's a hard legal story in the sense that it's based on evidence that's not publicly accessible, that the court, as part of the FBI investigation and the Justice Department's prosecutions against a variety of persons, including assistant coaches, sneaker executives, and others, that information is under seal. So that means that any reported evidence is not based on uh, something that is a public record with media access. So, and, and in truth, we may never see any of the FBI wiretaps or transcripts from them because there's a chance that these cases are resolved before a trial. It's very plausible that the defendants will plead out, that they'll reach plea deals where they'll basically plead down to lower charges in exchange for the government not going through the prosecution. So, and also the timeline, I should add, is one that, that's going to take months, if not years, to play out. So this is this is a story, you know, in the news cycle, it has a sense of urgency, but it, but in the legal cycle, it's a story that's going to take quite a while before there's any resolution. Michael, I think it's really interesting from a human nature standpoint to wonder about Sean Miller's statements yesterday. So what it brings me back to is uh, your words there that says the FBI wiretaps are not publicly accessible and may never be. Could it be that they're banking on that this will never see the light of day? So go ahead and fully deny it. It's possible, but there's a danger to doing that. Certainly there's a danger with his employment. And the school officials have backed him. And these are officials of a public university. Public universities uh, candidly tend to be a little bit risk-averse. And the fact that they're standing behind him to me is a pretty strong signal that his account, as he's related to the university, is a persuasive one. And the university, I'm sure, has done its own digging and not found anything to dispute what he said. That also supports his narrative. So it's true that this is a story where we never we never find out the actual answer. But there are also signals that weigh in his favor, favor at least in regards to the allegation that he was involved in a phone call in 2016 involving Aiton as a recruit. That particular allegation uh, is one that is perhaps not standing up to the facts, but whether there were other things in terms of his employment, you know, we don't know. Could Sean Miller sue ESPN? Yeah, he could sue ESPN, but it's, it's, it's so could DeAndre Aiton. I mean, that is another potential plaintiff because he's, his name is now, been, uh, you could argue, sullied, right, that he was accused of taking a bribe. Um, Both could sue ESPN or other media outlets, but there are a lot of hurdles with suing for defamation, especially when someone is a a public figure. And for one, there has to be evidence that the claim is, in fact, untrue. Kind of hard to show where the transcripts aren't public. You You can give sworn statements under oath, which help, but that may not be enough. But the the real problem is going to be the actual malice standard, where you can't just show that a newspaper article about you was untrue and hurtful. You also have to show, if you're a public figure, that either the person publishing it knew it was untrue or had reckless disregard for the truth of the claim. So would a media company just publish something 
irrespective of whether it's true or not. Uh, I think that's hard to show, to be honest, because newspaper article or Internet articles, I'm dating myself calling something a newspaper article. Yeah. Uh, these, uh, these articles are edited, and that doesn't mean they're right, right? I mean, sometimes edited stories are, in fact, wrong, but there's a process in place that can be shown as evidence that there was a reasonable process to check out a story. Michael McCann, Sports Illustrated legal analyst, joining us on The Rich Eisen Show. There's been questions about the original story with Yahoo Sports and the FBI investigation into illegal payments with agents and schools and players. The question that gets asked to me most often is, why is the FBI involved in this? Do you have a good answer for that question? Yeah, it's it's a debatable question. So the, the FBI's theory is that this is all a crime, that these bribes are crimes because these universities employ coaches and others who are, on behalf of the school, making side payments in violation of NCAA rules. And that means that the school is bringing onto campus and enrolling students who aren't eligible to play. Those scholarships could be used on players who are eligible to play. And the federal government is harmed because the federal government subsidizes almost every public, almost every public and private university in the country through grants, through uh, guaranteeing financial aid, and other steps. So that's the, the government's theory is that it has a stake in seeing this corruption not happen. The defendants argue that everything I just said is too much of a stretch, that in fact these are at worst NCAA rule violations. NCAA rules aren't the law. They're rules that are developed and implemented by a private association of schools, the NCAA, and that whether something is a violation of an NCAA rule or not doesn't dictate whether it's a violation of the law. And the argument that the defendants have said is that this is really trying to criminalize NCAA rules. So those are the two theories. There isn't a, there isn't, we don't have a, a precedent that we can say, oh yeah, this is who's right and this is who is wrong. It could play out. And if the defendants don't reach plea deals, it could play out in a trial. And that gets back to our original conversation about these wire uh, transcripts. They could become public at that point. It becomes a, such a legally interesting story, doesn't it, as we roll forward? I mean, your, your depth uh, of knowledge in the O'Bannon case where the book is concerned, that all touches into some way, shape, or form what we're talking about here uh, about the compensation of athletes for their likeness or for being uh, college athletes. What's your, I mean, you front and center on the O'Bannon case. Does that relate to any of what we're seeing going on today? Yeah, it does, Mike. I, th- I think there are a lot of sort of factors that influence the corruption. That And whether the corruption is occurring with one particular school, whether it's a violation of the law or NCAA rule, those can be debated. But I think it's clearly occurring on some level. So then the question is why? Like, what is the explanation for? Is it just, is it people being dishonest or are there factors that contribute to it? You could argue, for instance, the age restriction in the NBA plays a role because there are players that would go directly to the NBA, not pass college and not be taking money under the table uh, for, to stay in college for a year. And in many cases, they're only there for, for part, there for a semester and a, and a part of another semester you know, you know, as someone who teaches at a university, that doesn't really strike me as higher education, right? That, that seems like somebody's there to play only a sport and school is really secondary. I, I think pe- we, people can ask whether that age limit makes sense and whether it's led to bad incentives. Now, sure, players can go abroad and all that, but 
I think that's a factor. And the other factor is what you referenced, and I appreciate you bringing up my book with Ed O'Bannon called Court Justice. That book is about the rules that prevent athletes from getting anything beyond a tuition room and board and books. And in the case of O'Bannon, he saw he was in a video game, and no one had ever got his consent. No one had ever paid him anything for it. And the NCAA and Electronic Arts were using the likeness and image of real players without their consent or any compensation. And I think that strikes a lot of people as wrong. I mean, this is, you know, if somebody were to profit off your, your name, image, and likeness and, uh, and, and sold a video game for 60 bucks, you might say, well, I should get some of that at least. So, you know, these are things that if, if the NCAA changes rules, for instance, that allowed athletes to sign endorsement deals, that doesn't mean a school has to pay the athlete. Uh, an athlete could get an endorsement deal with a private company. Now, these are things that might change incentives and temptations. doesn't mean it would make sports clean, but it could make it less corrupt. Well, there's no doubt these are interesting times where college athletics is concerned. Uh, no doubt if you're a Pac-12 or an Arizona fan, it certainly is right now. But it might not have... Uh, just a final thought here, it might not have the conclusion from a time standpoint that a lot of people would prefer, and that is to get this resolved rather quickly, and if you can reiterate, this isn't going to happen quickly in all likelihood. No, definitely not. We're, we're looking at the, the college corruption case will last months, if not years, and I yeah. imagine every so often there'll be a leak, whether the leak is true or not, whether it's embellished, you know, these are things that will be debated. But I, I think we'll see a slow trickle of leaks every so often. And, you know, here we got a slice of, a, of an accusation against one particular coach in one school, but that's just a slice of a large universe. I mean, who knows what yeah, is on right. all those FBI wire tests? There could be tons of big-name coaches, huge schools, and they could be implicated at, the, at this point. So that they should, they ought to be worried. Very interesting conversation, uh, very smart conversation with Michael McCann, earlier today, Sports Illustrated legal analyst who uh, joined us on the Rich Eisen Show. Come back and talk more about Wisconsin basketball. Their season came to a close today. The Badger men we'll talk more about what they leave on the table and what might be coming down the pike in the 2018-19 season well down the road. We'll get to that when we come back, your phone calls as well, 877-729-1070, 877-729-1070. This is The Mike Heller Show. No one's only life was gonna be this way. Your job's a joke, you broke. Your love life's the way. Uh, I don't know the words. Hey, welcome back in on a Friday afternoon. It's a party on the Mike Heller Show. However, I'll tell you, I'm a little disappointed because here's the road. What? I was going to say it's a Friends Friday. It's a Friends Friday. For some reason. The the road to a, a Big Ten championship was uh, hanging right there earlier today at Madison Square Garden in New York. By the way, just think of the last two finishes. Although today's isn't... You didn't get you didn't get buzzer beaten today. The last time in at Madison Square Garden, 
you have the Chioza Florida buzzer beater mm-hmm. in overtime. And think about this, Mike. Hey, fellas, what's up? Wait, it's not the start it's of the hour. It's not the start Sorry. of the hour. I, for some reason, I keep telling myself oh, it's the start my. of the hour. Think about the last five endings of Badger basketball, the last five seasons. This one's the easiest to take, right? Because you didn't expect much. It was close. The game went down to the wire. You miss a three. Year before, the Florida shot. Year before, Notre Dame comes back with just seconds to... In the Sweet 16. In the Sweet, the both Sweet 16, eight. yeah, with seconds to go in the game. And all of a sudden, you go from, well, we might win this to what? We just lost? Year before that, lose the national championship to Duke. Year before that, Kentucky hits the three-pointer in the Harrison. Final Four. I mean, these last half a decade of losses have been really tough to take. This one's the easiest to take, but still, none of these games have been like, you haven't lost in blowouts. You know, you yeah, the last just time Wisconsin got beat badly in an elimination game would be going back to Ole Miss. Six years ago. Yep. Six years ago. Uh, yep. Marshall Henderson, first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, they they took you out of the game in the second half and beat you. Uh, since then, the loss to Kentucky, the loss to Duke in the national championship, um, the loss to Notre Dame, the loss to Florida, and then today this ends this one without getting to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 20 years. Now, granted, uh, you know, all but one team is going to end their season on a loss, but just think about a half a decade's worth of the final game being intense and down to the wire. You know what I mean? Like, just... Just think about that and how rare that might be to have half a decade's worth of basketball with so much at stake a couple of those times and to have games go right down to the wire. Tell me if you agree with this statement, uh, and I won't tell you who it is until after I've read it, and if you agree or disagree. The return of Kobe King, Demetric Trice, a healthier Brad Davison, plus transfer Trevor Anderson gives this team an immediate lift. Other additions plus returning players could make this team very dangerous next season. Please, who is that? Is that some super fan that just... Oh, wait, that's Matt LePay, isn't it? It is Matt No, LePay. I like. I saw that tweet. That? Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for 18-19. I'm excited for all the reasons he just gave right there. So one of the followers up to that, uh, Thomas, tweeted, it. Just I just find it funny that everyone is like, we're going to be better next year. Duh. They were 15-18 and 18 this year. I think if people are expecting 22 wins, they're being unrealistic. Unre- 19 or 20, I don't know. I mean, I don't, it depends on what that, you know, well, what you do where non-conference is concerned, how you handle the, that, uh, you know, typical tournament that you play around Thanksgiving. Um, but I would think, you know, here's the one thing that people are missing. Uh, Brad Davison was very good this year, right? I mean, really. Uh, oh, sure. Add another shoulder into the mix. Add the ability to use his left hand. Add his ability to finish with his left hand. Add a, the, the ability to play off guard instead of point guard. Bring back Demetric Trice. Add the Add fact that Trevor he has Anderson. a whole season under his belt of experience. Bring in Kobe King. Yeah. If you return Ethan Happ, and then you add in a weight room offseason for Nate Reavers. I'm, I'm not saying that this team is top 15 in the country in the rankings and should be a, a threat to go to the Final Four. I'm just saying... They will be an NCAA tournament team again next year, back into that mix, with opportunity to do more than that. I mean, right, I agree. And listen, I understand what I'm about to say at some level is unfair. It's kind of like that round of golf we always talk about where you complain about the birdie putt you missed, but you don't you know, talk about all these other things that saved you strokes along the way. Right? Yeah, you don't talk about the one that you hit off the tree and it bounced back right, into right, the right. fairway instead so, of going out of bounds. So understand that I, I understand that as I'm about to say that, but just think about... If you could find two more wins this season, 
in games that were close, whether those some of those four straight against ranked opponents. If you're able to change two results, you're a 17 and 15 team. And I think you feel differently about this team, don't you? I mean, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. 17 and 15, we'd be talking about, I wonder if they're going to make the NIT. And then at 17 and 15, you wouldn't say like 19 wins is probably good for next year. Maybe 20. You'd be looking at, at that at this team and saying, of course, if you can improve, you could you could go well over 20 wins. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's just two games. So when I hear someone say, let's not get too excited and expect like maybe 19, 20 wins. Well, I mean, they're really close to 19 wins this year. You know, there are four off that. But my point is there are several games in which they didn't have the experience to finish or close out a game. It took like a whole season to figure that out. So I would think, I mean, I would, I would have my, my sights set not on too high of expectations, but 19 or 20, I think it's not certainly out of the question whatsoever. I mean, that seems like it's, I think I could see them getting there. I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about what they showed in the final three weeks. You know, grand scheme of things. This is a team that finishes at 15 and 18. That's the answer. That's the reality. Do you walk away from the end today thinking this team is poised to return back to upper half Big Ten, top five Big Ten, NCAA tournament? I think that the answer to that is yes. Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I would have thought, you know, again, not that the – what were we talking about that whole time? I was being patient and said the judgment of this program should come – and Greg Gard, not now, but a year from now, and two years from now. I am much more emboldened now to think that they're in good shape, that they'll be just fine rolling forward. Do they have to improve the recruiting talent? Yes, they do. Uh, there's there's the miss on Hauser. There's a miss on Tyler Hero, although I would again say that on Hero, he's not coming here if Kentucky offers. Kentucky offered. That was, I think that was the plain and simple truth of looking at that recruitment. Jalen Johnson is a sophomore at the Prairie. Uh, he is the best player that this state will have, uh, from a recruiting class standpoint, have produced maybe ever. Maybe ever. So, and I don't know where he's going to end up being when it's all said and done. But there are a lot of elements that you need to pay attention to as this team rolls forward. And I'm not going to bury my head in my in the sand or put on the cardinal colored glasses and say that hey, this program's great, great and in great shape. They need to have some better recruiting results, but the way they 
took to coaching late this year in the final three weeks, the way they played uh, with what they return, I think you can look at this and, and be confident about what comes back, you know, what opportunity you have for next year. But certainly they need to recruit better as well as they roll forward. Uh, their season comes to a close today. I know some people are going to say, what about the NIT? It's not calling. Not happening. They're 15-18, and 18, three games under five hundred. The NIT hasn't had a team under five hundred in the last four or five years, even though they can. They haven't. They're certainly not going to dip into that pool, I don't think, and take somebody three games under. Five o'clock hour. One more hour yet to come on the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. I went on getting high. It's over. It's all over. Wisconsin lost 63-60 against Michigan State earlier today at the Big Ten basketball tournament, Madison Square Garden. They've also got a bit of a nor'easter rolling through that part of the country, or a bomb cyclone, as it were. But Wisconsin is out of the Big Ten tournament and out of consideration for earning a spot into the NCAA tournament or any other postseason tournament. So it all came to a crashing end today. Brad Davison said postgame, you feel like you kind of let people down. Let me just say this to Brad Davison, who's not listening, by the way. He didn't let anybody down. That kid's a player. And there are a bunch of kids on that team, on that roster, that, uh, that showed great heart, great moxie, great guts. You know, yesterday I said they won that game uh, on guts and guile in uh, winning the game yesterday against Maryland. Today, those same attributes were at play. The difference today isn't all that hard to uh, to understand. Uh, the difference today is rather simple. Michigan State is a, a more gifted team. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. One of the top programs, uh, top teams right now in the country. But the other difference is... In the critical moments where the game is coming to a close today, Wisconsin missed on the front end of a one and one with Ethan Happ and a front end of a one and one with Khalil Iverson. That's like missing four free throws. They lost by three. So two of six from the line overall today, Michigan State from the free throw line was 10 of 11. Michigan State shot 43% from the floor. Wisconsin, 46%. Michigan State, from three-point range, 5 of 16, 31%. Wisconsin, 6 of 17, 35%. Now, it's easy to say that the rebounds were the other storyline because on the offensive glass... Hold on, before you say that, I was going to say, because they were killing them. Were they, were they, they weren't double digits better, were they? Offensive um, rebounding? No, offensive rebounding favored Michigan State 16 to 10. 
Okay. Wisconsin had 10 offensive rebounds. Seemed like Michigan State was getting every offensive rebound. Yeah, they out-rebounded Wisconsin 41-27. to So plus 14 in the rebound department for Michigan State. And that's, uh, that's one of the key attributes for the game today. But ultimately, when you look at Wisconsin, 2 of 6 from the free throw line, Michigan State was 10 of 11. Okay? So, you know, 33% is what Wisconsin shot at the line, and they didn't get there. Now, I can be cynical and say that I didn't think the game was officiated all that well. But that would be a bit of a homer. But I didn't. I didn't. I thought there were moments um, that that the game was not well called. And obviously with uh, some red and white glasses on, there were moments where I thought Wisconsin deserved a call, didn't get it. Hard for me to step aside and view it without bias. So I don't know that that's a, a rational viewpoint. But I didn't like it moments the way the game was officiated. But you're optimistic about 2018-2019, aren't you? How optimistic? Well, How about, uh, let's say can Ethan, we put a scale out there? I don't or? know. Let's say Ethan Happ comes back. Um, you know, and he's either he he put uh, to bed some of the rumors that he might be a grad transfer and go somewhere else. He said he's either going to the NBA or he comes back here. That's it. So he'll put his name in for consideration where the NBA is concerned. When he gets his draft grade, uh, he'll make a decision to either return or go to the NBA. I think he's coming back. I don't think he's NBA ready yet because I uh, without the shot, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Um, but if you bring Hap back, you put in a strength program where Reavers can bulk up a little bit. Davison has shoulder surgery, comes back with two shoulders. Brevin Pritzel's back. Khalil Iverson is back. Uh, then you add in Aleem Ford, who is still a freshman, redshirt. And then you bring back in Demetric Trice and Kobe King. Um, it starts to look pretty good. So my optimism about next year is that Wisconsin would be back into the top five of the Big Ten and into the NCAA tournament. I don't know how much more you could say. Well, certainly they're going to be a you know like a top five seed in the NCAA no, tournament. No, no, no. I don't know. I wouldn't that. get. I wouldn't get that crazy. I would say just uh, becoming relevant again. I would getting, say they're back in the NCAA tournament and top five or six in the Big Ten. I would say yeah. I think t- top five or six sounds like a good starting point. If, if you're setting goals on what you've seen last year and what you think is going to be coming into the fold next year, of course, Hap's a big decision or a big part of this with his decision, um, I would say top five or six in the Big Ten is a good goal. I would say making it back to the NCAA tournament is a good goal. But to go and say, well, I think they can be a top five, well, who knows? I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into play there. But I think getting back to the tournament and being a top five or six team is definitely goals that seem attainable for this team. Yeah, where where Ethan Happ is concerned, he he will declare for the NBA draft, not retain an agent. And then once he gets his uh, understanding, he can attend the Combine in Chicago May 16th through the 20th if he's invited and give himself a chance to improve his stock. If that doesn't happen in that way, um, he can he can come back. And that's what he, he said. That's not where I want to be. Um, he was asked uh, if he's a second-round pick in the eyes of NBA personnel. He said, quote, that's not where I want to be if the Combine doesn't change that then I'd probably say I would come back. All right. So a lot at stake, right? Or a lot uh, still up in the air, I guess, for Wisconsin basketball. But you and I both seem optimistic, and I think there are some attainable goals for the Badgers next year if you just kind of take baby steps to get back to the tournament. Richard calling from Greenfield. I'm not sure if he's as optimistic about the Badgers as we are. Is that true, Richard? Hey, Richard. Hello, Richard. 
What happened to little Richard? He's not there. Well, if he wasn't as optimistic, he probably wasn't as optimistic to stick around long enough to talk to us unless uh, that's him calling back. So I I think there are different, certainly there are going to be different views. And none of us are right or wrong in the moment because uh, the opinion of what Wisconsin is a year from now is strictly that. It, it is an opinion and there's no right or wrong about it. Although I do think that Wisconsin gives you um, an optimistic viewpoint, if you watch the way they played in the final three weeks here, would make you optimistic about what they can bring to the table with the return of Demetri Trice and the return of Kobe King uh, that I think you would say, okay, there's an opportunity here. And then, you know, not to also put aside, people are going to forget about Trevor Anderson, who is a transfer who couldn't play this year and apparently has been doing some very good things where practice is concerned, and uh, acquitting himself well. So I would just say there is good reason to be optimistic about Wisconsin's return to the upper third of the Big Ten and an NCAA tournament bid a year from now. Well, Richard didn't call back, but Scott and Madison isn't as optimistic as we are. Hey, Scott. Hey, thanks. Let's take my call, guys. You bet. Um, basically, I... I'm sorry. I think he's a really nice guy and probably and a good recruiter and a good assistant coach. But as long as Guard is the head coach, I have zero optimism that this team is going to be any better than it was this year. So explain, he's had explain two and three quarters years of showing me consistently that his teams just and his play and more importantly, his individual players don't improve. Well, uh, you know, he was the coach of the team two years ago when Bo stepped away, and it was in total disarray that took them to the Sweet 16 then and also the Sweet 16 a year ago, and you saw the way the team played here down the stretch. What? Tell me what it is that he's not doing that you see that doesn't give you any optimism. Or not. I, I said I think that there's... I, th- I think that team even under a team. You, the one that got beat on an overtime buzzer beater on a running three-pointer that would have put you in the Elite Eight, that's the, that team overachieved? Underachieved, rather? I I think that team underachieved. It shouldn't have even been in that position with the talent it had. Okay. I guess, I guess I'm – we're not – we won't agree no, on that. I mean, they're seconds away from back-to-back Elite Eights under Greg Gard. <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, you can look at it from that, from that angle that if – Things went differently in, gotta, they, in a total of like twenty seconds total so in two beat, games. They get beat on yeah. a on a running three point From shot the full that, length of the court, yeah, like under a, four seconds to play. Otherwise, they're in the elite eight. And then, what was the Notre Dame game situation? I keep they just they, uh, what was that? Nigel they, had a turnover. Um, but how much were they up? They were up, I think, three with inside of a minute, or up four inside. I thought it was of a within minute. like seconds, like twenty uh, seconds. Well, I'll, I'll look up that look situation. That back, but, but the point being, um, yeah, they had two critical mistakes in the final moments against turned, Notre Dame that, that they don't get the ball into the front court. That's a team that had that championship game hangover that wasn't doing well in December when he took over and I don't know. I, I, I don't agree with that perspective of, of Greg Gard. I think we I think we've seen the opposite. Yeah, I thought they've been uh they've been coached up. Now I think to Scott's point, he's talking about players not getting better. Okay, so in that he's talking about sorry to point out this particulars here and or to put words in his mouth, but 
uh, the common sentiment about players not getting better is in regards to Charles Thomas, Alex Illikanen, uh, uh, Andy Van Vliet. It's that class that they're talking about. Not getting better. Brevin Pritzel. And I would argue that Pritzel, especially the second half of this year, they're the team. Uh, Pritzel got better. And I, I, I don't know. That's the class, though, that everybody's talking about, right? What other players are we talking about not getting better? Ethan Happ has gotten a lot better. I think this year we saw Brevin Pritzel get a lot better. We see the emergence of a freshman in Nate Reavers and a Brad Davison playing out of position. Uh, some coaching has to account for what you see with those players. And then the argument that uh, that we've made throughout the year, and I've done it many times with, um, with talking about losing your top two point guards. That's, that's what they did. In Demetric Trice and Kobe King, they lost their two point guards. Brad Davison's not a point guard. He's a two. Brevin Pritzel is a two. You know, I looked at the box score yesterday, just to, and again today. You know, in their box score, they list a position next to the player. They're, they do list three guards, but Khalil Iverson is not a guard. And Brevin Pritzel is not a point guard, never handles it in that regard. So in their lineup, in the nine players that played yesterday and today, they're playing one point guard. It's Brad Davison. He's the only point guard. Pritzel is obviously a two, and even though they list Khalil Iverson as a guard, he's not a guard. We all know that. They're doing it that way. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Way. So then we want to be critical of the coach that, you know, they can't get this thing done. They're doing it that way. They beat Purdue. They hung with Michigan State. And they hung with Michigan State. All top yeah. 10 teams in the country. Top Close to top five teams in the country, right? Yep. So to have that lineup and the injuries and, and all this time to try to get better and to actually see them produce against top tier teams in this conference i don't i don't know about everybody else talking about i'm encouraged by that i'm just not of the mindset that scott is that that uh he's a nice guy but he won't get it done here i'm not of that mindset i'm looking up the uh the loss two years ago in the sweet 16 in notre dame was it Vito brown that hit a three 56 53 with third about 30 seconds to play notre dame then goes straight down the lane and scores with 19 seconds so the Badgers are up by one with 19 seconds. They're up three with like 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah, and then I think uh, Vito, in, with pressure in the backcourt, uh, committed the turnover and they got a layup. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it was 57-56 yeah. with like 14 seconds. So you go from yeah. being – Vito hits a three with under 30 to go, and you're like, okay, come on, let's get this done. And 20 seconds of game time later, yeah, it, and it's you're, yeah. you're trailing. Yep, <laughs> like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Uh, 877-729-1070. You want to rifle through a couple of calls here? Quick? Sure. Brent and Wanakee. Hi, Brent. 
Hey, guys, actually it was Nigel that committed the turnover. If you remember, he tried to split the double team on the trap. Yeah, it was Nigel. Yep. Did I say it? Yeah, that it was a guy Nigel. did a flying I think he, I, cross body yeah. and like, took him to the ground and they didn't call a foul? Yeah, it could have been a foul, too. But, yeah, yeah. you're right. It was Nigel. I misspoke anyway, if I said anything else. Mike, I, I'm going to share your optimism, and then I'm going to, I don't know what Scott was getting at, but I'm going to expand a little bit of maybe what I think he was thinking of. I Let's go back to that. That, uh, remember they had that game against Northern Iowa at the beginning of the year, the like free scrimmage? When we had the entire team out there, they had shooters all over the floor. They had Davison, they had King, they had Pritzel, they had Trice. And then we had Hap inside. And you remember, they beat Northern Iowa by like 30 in that scrimmage. And I looked at my buddy at that game and I said, you know what, they're young and they're going to take some lumps. But they're going to surprise a lot of teams this year. And look what they did at the beginning of the year. They could have very easily should have beaten UCLA. They very could have easily beaten Xavier. There was another top non-conference team. I think they lost to at the buzzer. I mean, those were top teams that they played. Now, you look at the team coming back. You add in the two guards that have been out. And I, I, I with the experience that Ford got, the experience that Davison got, I, Iverson's going to get better. I really, really think. They're going to be a top-four team in the Big Ten next year. That being said, we had the empty class that Happy, you remember he redshirted, he should be technically a senior this year. We had the kind of empty class here with Illicanen and Van Fleet and Thomas, and we have absolutely nothing coming in that's going to help us. The kid from Michigan is going to redshirt. The kid from, from Minnesota is going to gray shirt. That's the concern that I have, the fact that we – didn't go after the, the older Hausner boy, cost us the younger one. The fact that they didn't offer Jordan Poole, a freshman at Michigan, who's having a heck of a nice season, and the fact that we you know, lost out on Hero and some of these other guys, I'm a little concerned with that aspect. But as far as the team coming back next year, I really like what we could bring to the table. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you almost I think uh, all across great the board. There. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. like that phone Thanks, call. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate hey, it. Uh, sorry to bring it up again, but I'm watching – the, Why the are way, you doing this? Well, just because somebody talking about Greg Gard and doesn't like, you know, he's been to back-to-back Sweet 16s before this this past season and was still critical of Gard. And, and I, in my mind, yes, that's the result. But I'm thinking, I mean, they're just a couple of plays away from being back-to-back Elite Eights right before this year yeah, happens. Yep. And so the Badgers are down by one. Koenig drove. No call. Missed the layup. Then they have a chance down by three, and Koenig turns the ball over. So even then, if you want to make the argument that they had the lead with like 19 seconds to play over Notre Dame, they actually had the chance to, to still come back two times and came up empty. So they're, the point is, they're really close to being in two Elite Eights under Greg Gard. So I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like that, that talk about Gard when they're that close. It's not yep. like they got to the Sweet 16 and then just got crushed or something like yeah, that. I'm with you. Come on. Uh, Rob from Madison. Called the Mike Keller Show. Hi, Rob. Hi. Hi. Uh, I have to say I agree with your guys' sentiment across the board. I mean, they've done a great job to close out the season when January and the end of December seemed like it was going to be a lost season entirely. So guard definitely gets credit for that. Obviously, there's a bit of a concern, and I think it was a lot to do with how many young players were playing, that they had that extended midseason slump, if you want to call it that. Uh, only criti- criticism I have that that prior caller said about improvement of players is I think there's a little bit of that of just the team improved 
but individual player talents and qualities. I mean, we've been keep talking for two seasons now of as soon as Hap can improve his shooting or his outside shot, his free throws just a little bit, and it just hasn't really come yet. I know they had a one of their assistants a few years ago that since left was always the shot doctor. Gary Close. And I wonder if that's somebody that they just need on the staff to help some of the, whether it's the big guys or players overall. I mean, Iverson, if he could develop more of a shot as well, this would be a much more dangerous team. Yeah, and some players just don't yeah. develop shots, you know, and it has not much to do with coaching, but more to do with just uh, the physiological makeup of the guy and whether there is a, enough talent in the shooting stroke to, to make it happen. You can't create it. You can certainly help it. Uh, but I don't think Khalil Iverson is going to be a shooter. Um, Hap, if he's going to play the NBA, Hap needs to be able to make a 15-footer. A uh, he needs to be able to make that mid-range shot. If he does, he's got an NBA future. Uh, but, I mean, his skills around the hoop are unmatched. Yeah, I mean, it, it is tremendous. But he's right about Hap. I mean, we've seen his free throws. Yeah. Start at like 64%, like, hey, they got to get better. And then they dropped to 15. He's right around there. This year, I think he was like 55%. And we've all been talking about, man, if he pulls defenders yeah. away and can hit like a 15-foot jump shot. Right. And he, he hasn't been able to do that. Well, so let me uh, let me uh, remind those of, of what this year was when Brent was bringing that up. They lose to Xavier, number 15 in the country at the time, by 10. Uh, they lost to Baylor by 5. Baylor was 22 in the country at the time. They lost to UCLA on a buzzer beater by two. They were 23rd at the time. Then they lost to Virginia. That game was a 12-point loss. Yeah, that one uh, wasn't really. Yeah. Then they got hammered by Ohio State in that early Big Ten opener. I was there. They lost to four, by four against Temple. They got um, pretty well squashed by Marquette. That's two days. The day after they lose both Trice and King. Uh, so they were ill-equipped to, uh, to step, up, uh, step up in that game. You know, so... Yeah, listen, I get it. I understand the the circumstance. They're 15 and 18. It's all done. They're 15 and 18. That's it. I mean, there's no other way to to look at it. That's their finish. They finished ninth in the Big Ten, but I do think top five-ish in the Big Ten and the NCAA tournament is a very realistic view of what this team will do in 18-19. Very realistic. Uh, they, They need Kobe King. They need Demetric Trice, and they need... Uh, Trevor Anderson. All of those will help out. Uh, what do you want to do when we come back? Do you want to play that uh, Jason Lockhart for you? You want to get to that at the bottom of the hour? Let's talk a little bit more Badger hoops, should we? Uh, keep phone lines open for you, 877-729-1070. If you believe that there is certain optimism in the future for Wisconsin basketball, 877-729-1070. We continue in a couple of minutes. This is the Mike Heller Show. What do you got in here for us? Boys and men. Is it a theme song for the day? No, it's just... Uh, I can make it a theme. You want it to be a theme? Sure. This Badger basketball team that you've just watched down the last month of the season, 
They are going to turn a bunch of boys into men for next year. There you go. It's a boys to men reference right there. This is what Badger basketball will become. There, And in that, keep this in mind, too, on the Kobe King thing. He's a freshman when he comes back next year. Red shirt because of the medical. Demetric Trice is a sophomore next year. Bring Ethan Happ back. Add in Trevor Anderson. Brad Davison with two healthy shoulders. Let's put that Nathan on. Nathan Reavers in a weight room. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I like that idea. By the way, can I tell you about our friends with Tripner before we start the segment? Is that okay with you? Oh, you can do it now or you can do it later. Yeah, I'm you gonna tell me. It. I'm going to do it right now, John. Okay. I'm going to tell you what you should do. Okay? You're not a big music fan, okay? So I'm not going to tell you all about the CMA Festival in Nashville coming up June 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, of which you can be there with two lower-level tickets and uh, hotel accommodations at the Omni Hotel Nashville. Don't tell I'm me. not going to tell you about that because that doesn't interest you, but I will tell you about the idea of checking off a bucket list item for you. That is a golf trip to Ireland or Scotland. This is what Trip Nerd does just as well as anybody that you're going to find, and that is take care of all of your golf needs. I know your issues, not related to golf. I know all of oh. your issues. Your issues about thinking about a trip to Ireland to play golf is that I don't know where I'm going to go, which golf courses. I don't know which hotels to stay at. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on. How do I get my clubs? How do I do all this? How do I get transportation? Do I rent a car? Which side of the road am I driving on? All that stuff. Trip Nerd's got you covered, John. They take care of everything. They are your bucket list fulfillment center for your sports bucket list items, for golf bucket list items, for events, CMA Festival, Check them out, tripnerd.com. You can email them, info at tripnerd.com, T-R-I-P-N-E-R-D, or dial pound 250 on your mobile phone. When prompted, say the word tripnerd. You'll get the information you're looking for. I think you need to do it. You know, you're talking about the Badger basketball team and everything that's coming back next year, and you're you're right, and I'm excited for all that. And then you mentioned uh, Reavers, and it made me think, you're right. You know what story we're going to see maybe next year or the year after for sure is the amount of weight that a guy like Reavers has been able to put on in the weight room, right? I think that's a potential storyline where you talk about it and the hard work and now Reavers is maturing into this type of player or whatever, and he's gained X amount of pounds since his freshman season. I think that's definitely a storyline that Badger fans should be getting used to over the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, there's going to be some excitement around the program when they get back on the court in October. Now, it's going to it's going to slip out of the consciousness for now. This is the first time in 20 years uh, of which you can look at the calendar on March the 2nd and say there are no more Badger basketball games. So weird. That's a lifetime. I mean, Brad Davison wasn't alive the last time Wisconsin <laughs> season was done on March yeah. 2nd. Yeah. So it is an adjustment, and it is a disappointment that this season happened in the way that it did. However, there is always a market correction, and there are a few programs, only four, that have a that will continue a streak that Wisconsin has ended right now. Michigan State, Gonzaga, Kansas, forgetting the fourth. But those are the only programs that have a streak of NCAA tournaments that are intact, that are as long or longer than Wisconsin's that ended officially today. It ended officially today in a 63-60 to loss to Michigan State. Disappointing, but I think there is plenty of room for optimism about what comes back. Yeah, so at 877-729-1070, are you on that same bandwagon? And if you aren't, I, I want to hear from those who aren't as optimistic as Mike and I are. 
877-729-1070. And what is that reason where you just look at this roster next year and go, well, I don't know if it's going to get any better. I don't know if next year is going to be any better than this season. Um, and I just think for all the reasons Mike just stated, the maturity, the, the the players that were injured that you have coming back, the way that we've seen time and time again that this team, even at this type of level of a team, gets better. You know, that to me is one of the most encouraging things is at the start of the season, we said, well, Greg Gard will get them better. Then all the injuries and the realization that you're having to play players that you really didn't want to put out on the court. And I, I kind of lost the idea that this team could get better. I thought this team was just kind of what it was, and they're just going to finish out the season, and we'll see how many games under 500 they are, and whatever. But all of a sudden, they did get better, and they hung with teams in the top 10 or the top 5, and they beat a team like that, and they almost beat another team like that at the end of the season, and they almost did it again today. And so the way that they got better, something that we had talked about, and for me I had forgotten about, that that's encouraging to me. Because I know it still exists, even at perhaps its lowest point in two decades, the ability to get better and compete with those top-tier teams with the type of roster they had is still there. And to, to think that the roster is going to be better next season, that makes me encouraged and optimistic. Here's, a, here's a, uh, from the Jim Polzine story in, at Madison.com, Wisconsin State Journal. He said in January, with the Badgers in the midst of a slump, rumors circulated that Ethan Happ might consider transferring following this season. He's on pace to graduate in May and would have the option of heading elsewhere as a grad transfer. According to Hap, not happening. Quote, I'm just worried about the draft right now, and if it's not the draft, I'll be back at Wisconsin. He also was asked if a promising season on the horizon would impact his decision, and he said, quote, not especially. There's a little part of that, yeah, we can do some damage next year, but at the same time, I can't make my decision based off of that. It's got to be the feedback that I get from GMs and stuff like that to see where I would get drafted or where I would end up. So that's a little bit about that. There is going to be surgery for Brad Davison. He says, I know it's going to be a very long off season. I'm not looking forward to that, but I am looking forward to being able to play the way I want to play. It's, it's kind of, um, it, it makes you raise an eyebrow to, again, fully understand that he was playing with one arm. Now, this is coming from... I'm trying to find if there's a mock draft with um, Hap's name on it. Um, I'm finding this from April of last year, so about a year ago, and they had an 18 mock draft, Hap going 37. Yeah. That was before this season and everything. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, so I wonder... I wonder where the like a latest mock draft would have a guy like Ethan Happ going. I'll see if I can find that. All right. So there's all of that that's in play, and, and I do think that Wisconsin uh, has, I think fans have a reason to be optimistic. Now, if you want to view it glass half empty rather than half full about what can happen in 1819, you could go back to Doug Gottlieb's cool, uh, cool story bro comment to me a month ago. 
and say the good thing about the Badgers is they get everybody back. The bad thing about the Badgers is they get every everybody back. I understand that. And we look at the recruiting and see that you're not bringing in Tyler Hero for next year's class. You know, you're not bringing in Hauser. I get it. I understand those things. And that is the honest viewpoint of what Wisconsin basketball has to be better at over the next couple of recruiting cycles. They have to be better. They have to recruit better. They can't miss, as you could say that they have missed over the last two recruiting cycles. So, But, but I would say this, that incoming freshman class this year, that's a Davison-Reavers-King class. That's a pretty darn good class. I don't know how you can argue that it isn't. That's a really that I don't know if it's really good, but it's pretty darn good and we'll see what happens over the next 3 years because Reavers was going to redshirt he didn't, but King is actually now, you know, he gets an extra year out of this deal. So, you have to like this year's freshmen in Reavers, King and Davison. What I don't know is if if next year's class, the two that are in are going to measure up. And then what do you get the following year? You have to, you can't miss two in a row. So next year's recruiting cycle has to be better, certainly, than this. BasketballInsiders.com, Mike, three days ago, has their 60-pick NBA mock draft, and they have Ethan Happ at 53. So that would have him coming back to if Wisconsin. If he's at 53, he'd be back. Yep. No doubt. So th- there are some items there to be paying attention to. Uh, earlier today, we had a chance to visit with Jason LaConfora, CBSSports.com, NFL reporter, Joined us when we were guest hosting on the Rich Eisen Show. Talked to him not just about the Combine, in fact, very little about the Combine, to be fair, but more about NFL free agency and quarterbacks and John's favorite conversation, Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. And Lacan Fora and I do not agree. You'll hear that conversation when we come back. This is the Mike Heller Show. So, cutting to the chase, Jason Lockon for us, CBS Sports NFL reporter, did not agree with me when he visited with us earlier today on the Rich Eisen Show. By the way, it's an All Friends Friday. I don't know why I find it so funny that we played this song so much. Uh, earlier today, we did have a chance to visit. We talked a little bit about the combine, you'll hear it, but in, in much greater length about the NFL free agency situation, also Aaron Rodgers' contract. And John's favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings, in their quarterback position. Yeah, in case you missed it, here's our conversation with Jason Lacanfora. Jason, what do you what do you look for? What are the things you're paying attention to at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis? Uh, honestly, for me, it's it's more about this start of the league year. It's more about free agency trades, uh, restructuring, guys getting cut. I mean, the draft. I understand that you know we're getting these measurables here and what have you, but. The draft is always influenced by free agency, and there'll be a lot of roster shuffling, a ton of transactions that happen between now and mid-March, much less between now and late April when they actually stage the draft. So for me, it's more about the here and now. You talk to some of the, the kids in the draft, you, you start to kind of get a little bit of a feel for that. But but honestly, for me, it's 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 about the uh, the, the the annual league year madness that's about to begin. So when when I ask the question about quarterbacks and free agency, obviously Kirk Cousins comes to mind 
where's the, in your view, where's the likely landing spot or where's the best landing spot? Are they the same? Uh, uh, I mean, uh, the best landing spot for him is probably Minnesota because of the teams that are going to be interested in him. And I believe there's only, at the end of the day, it's going to really be three teams, the Jets, the Broncos, and Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's the best of those teams, and Minnesota last year was certainly one of the better teams in the league. Um, and Case Keenum had a lot of success there after, frankly, being a journeyman his, his entire previous career. But it's it's not just ultimately about that. And the Jets have an ability to put together a package that in the first couple of years could be staggering and, and could financially make it a no-brainer to go to the Jets. And they could be building something special there. I mean, they, they you know, this is a pivotal offseason for them. Um, they've already done their tearing it down. They've already had the purge. They've said bye in the last, what, couple of years to Nick Mangold and to Brickshaw Ferguson and Darrell Revis and David Harris and Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and Brandon Marshall. And they've gotten younger and hungrier and cheaper, and, and now they're looking to reinvest. And, and really, they want to build around Kirk Cousins. There's, there's no two ways about that. So, they're going to be a tough team to beat from a financial standpoint. The Broncos are hamstrung, and, and they're, they, they're actually more of a team that's in a teardown mode than it is a, a, really a rebuild with a key to lead and some of those receivers maybe being on the way out. Um, so we'll see ultimately you know, if Minnesota is, is ready to, to push that $30 million a year threshold for Kirk Cousins. If they are and if they stay within the same ballpark as the Jets financially, then they'll, they'll, they'll have that opportunity. But the Jets, I'm telling you, are going to, we're going to try to make this guy an offer that he literally can't refuse. If you were in the Jets' shoes, is it better to go that route? Are they prepared? Are they poised to have enough roster around a veteran free agent who's not a top-10 quarterback in the NFL by most estimations? Or would they be better served in trying to find that guy in the draft? Well, I think they would challenge you to name nine quarterbacks better than him. Um, in fact, I had that very conversation with a colleague of mine in the Jets last night I am of the mind with the Jets that he's a top eight to ten quarterback, and then we sort of had this debate, and and my buddy really at the end couldn't come up with nine or ten guys who who we all could agree was better than him. Um, look, they've tried the draft stuff in various rounds; it it hasn't worked. And if they eat enough of the cap space in the first two years while they're still building, you can be creative and put together a contract that's not going to hamstring you. I mean, look at what the Garoppolo deal. It's mega bucks, but it's, it's structured in a smart way, and it gets a lot of that, that cap off the books in the first year. When I mean, they could, they could, the Jets could afford to sign Kirk Cousins twice this year and still have money left over to get somebody else. I mean, with Wilkerson being gone, we're talking 90-odd million in cap space. Like, it's hard to spend all that money, and they won't spend all of that, but it's not like they get Kirk Cousins and now they're flush against the cap for the next four years and, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do here? Um, you know, I, I think you could build around him, and you could do a heck of a lot worse than him, and given what he's accomplished and his age um, and just entering his prime, they, they, are, they are very sold on him. I'll put it to you that way. Talking with Jason Lockenfora with us on the Rich Eisen Show, is there league interest in Michael Bennett with the Seattle? There's interest. I, I don't know how much they're going to be able to fetch for him. And it could turn out to be more of a salary dump than a true football trade. You know, last year they were trying to make a football trade for Richard Sherman. If you give us overwhelming value, he's yours. You know, and that match didn't quite come to pass. They're not going to get overwhelming value 
for Michael Bennett at this stage of his career with some of the injuries where he is contractually. But I, I do believe they'll move him. I believe they'll move Earl Thomas. Between Thomas, Bennett, and Sherman, I think at most one of them is back with the Seahawks next year. John Schneider, super aggressive general manager. He knows he has to restructure his assets there and move money around, move cap space around, take from that secondary and that front seven a little bit and give at other spots. Use that, that money he would get from some of these trades and some of these cheap draft picks to address uh, different areas of, of the roster. So, as always, they'll be one of the most aggressive and proactive teams in the league. I expect they'll make at least two deals by, by the start of the league year. Um, and you'll see them, you know, trying to create $20, $25 million of cap space that they can, you know, reinvest elsewhere. You know, we've watched the the development of free agency in Major League Baseball hit a roadblock. Uh, that stalled, and, and players are not very happy about it. You don't anticipate that there's any of that where the NFL is concerned and that those moves at the at the league new year will happen in a hurry? Look, it's not the greatest class of players in the world. In fact, some would tell you this is the weakest free agent class we've ever seen in terms of just straight-out unrestricted free agents. Um, but you have to spend. It's different here. You know, there's a cap, which everybody talks right. about the top yep. of the cap, but there's also a minimum spend threshold that all teams have to hit. And, you know, you can roll the cap space over, which, which results in some of these teams sitting there at 70-plus million. They've got to spend that money somewhere. So I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to see it, it nearly to the degree we did in baseball. Now, are some of these guys going to have, um, you know, a, a, uh, you know, a truth? Truth coming moment for them, a, a an area where they got to really sit down and say, okay, am I going to just take this one year prove it contract? You know, or am I going to just retire because I've made enough money? I'm not saying that everybody's going to hit a home run, but you know, I, I don't think we're going to be looking at anything like what's going on in baseball now, where you've got what you've got teams of free agents playing each other, right? Like basically screaming at each, screaming yeah. at each other yeah. to try right. to stay in shape. I don't, I don't foresee that happening. Jason, are we seeing the pendulum swing back as far as running backs and value in the NFL? And, and maybe Saquon Barkley would be part of that in the draft. But is that pendulum beginning to swing back in the running back's favor? Um, I, he is, is kind of a freak of nature. I, I think for him, he could be the first non-quarterback drafted, and it wouldn't surprise me. As now that teams are starting to interview him, and you talk to some of these people who've been around him, and, and teams that are... are are frankly going to take a quarterback and aren't going to draft him in all likelihood, but they're doing their homework. And, I mean, some of the stuff I was hearing last night, I mean, people are like, this guy's a stud. He's going to walk into your, your locker room day one, be one of your team leaders on the field and off. Like, he's, he's, he's checking every box. Uh, but not everybody does that. And I suspect, much like last year, where you're able to get a Camaro at day two, there's going to be a lot of kids who go on day two who are pretty darn productive from day one also. So, um yeah, I don't think it's going to be one of those years where no quarterback, I mean, no running backs drafted in the first round. That's for darn sure. One of them is going in the top ten, if not the top five. But it's it's still going to be tough for those guys to get their money. They're still going to have to earn it throughout their whole rookie deals. Um, you look at the Le'Veon Bell situation right now. I mean, it, it's still not super duper expensive to tag some of those guys. I mean, he's going to be tagged twice. And if he doesn't break into that Adrian Peterson threshold, then that's not bringing the cat the the the, the, the franchise numbers up that much. So linebackers and running backs, the guys who run the ball and the guys in the middle of the field paid to stop them, their, their, their contracts will continue to lag behind other positions. You know, you mentioned Kirk Cousins, getting back to that for a second, and, and the amount of money that he might command. Well, there's a quarterback in Green Bay who 
Uh, the Packers say, you know, they've had talks about a contract extension. Uh, I guess how how soon does something like that happen in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, or does he just sit back and wait for Cousins and wait for somebody else to oh, sign? Oh yeah, to... that that's that's a, that'll happen in the summer. I mean, you let let this market settle, let Breeze get done, let Cousins get done. Um, you know, see, let these guys, you know, whatever else, have Matt Ryan, right? That one will get done, and then before camp, you know, it'll be pretty obvious that he's north of thirty. It's just a, how far north and. And and then you 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 know you have those conversations and I, oh, look there's I don't think there's going to be a whole lot to figure out there it's going to be pretty obvious that he's going to be the highest paid player in the league it's just going to be a matter of by how much and through which contract structure. Jason, final thought here: What's your confidence level that the NFL Competition Committee in rewriting the catch rule will? <laughs> circumnavigate the issues that have been surrounding well, <laughs> the catch over recent years. There's always something that there's always some loophole that nobody thought of that gets right. uh, yes. you know that gets blown up because super duper replays and the next technological advance. So I can't I can't vouch for uh, you know the the sustainability of it and and how it will play out over time and if they, they will truly solve that Rubik's cube this off season. But they are going to change some of the language. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be um, some recalibrations there. But I'm, I'm always hesitant to say, okay, I know they've got this figured out or they've got that figured out because it's just the nature of this beast. There's, there's always things, circumstances that no one saw coming, you know, and then you have the Calvin Johnson play, and then, you know what I mean, years later you've got five yep. or six, seven more of those plays that we all can instantly think of, and it becomes, you know, snowballs, and, and then they try to address it again. Uh, their heart's in the right place. I know that much, and, and we'll see how it plays out. That was Jason Lockon for us, CBSSports.com, NFL reporter, joined us earlier today as we guest-hosted on the Rich Eisen Show. thought it was pretty interesting comments there. Mike uh, Pilt steps in for the final couple of minutes as John Adi has stepped out. Uh, was there much negative reaction or reaction after Wisconsin's bowing out of the Big Ten tournament by three points? Today there wasn't much at all. Yesterday after the win, there was a lot of reaction. But today the biggest negative reaction I saw was towards Ethan Happ's comments that he will explore the NBA after this year. Just thinking he's silly and he's greedy and why aren't you coming back for your last year? And I don't understand that at all. Other than that, there wasn't much reaction, oddly, today because I think people realized it was Michigan State, you know? Yeah, and, you know, it it ends it for the first time in 20 years, uh, March the 2nd. uh, After this date, they're not playing any more basketball in this season, and that hasn't happened in two decades. So um, in that regard, my goodness, what a run. Uh, but it makes a march that is a little bit longer. And less Do you like filled. a stress-free march? No, I don't. You don't like the fact that <laughs> no. you don't have a team to root no. for? No, I, I love having a team to root for. Uh, that's that's my uh, that's what I do. So not having that is, uh, is going to be a little difficult. I can tell you this. We're 27 days away from the Brewers opening the season in San Diego on a Thursday just shy of four weeks from now. They'll play Thursday, Friday, Saturday in San Diego. A Sunday, Easter Sunday, no game. And then the season home opening game against the St. Louis Cardinals on Monday, April the 2nd. So we got that to look forward to. Hey, by the way, coming up on Monday, I'll be at Brewers Spring Training Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week with special editions of the Mike Heller Show from Arizona. Tune in. We'll talk to you Monday from the desert. Thanks for listening to The Mike Heller Show.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.